Thanks, Bernard. Now, finally for now, a mysterious hole on a beach has caused a stir in North Dublin. A local astronomy enthusiast is hoping the crater in Port Marnock could be the aftermath of a cosmic event. It's a huge, mysterious crater that looks out of this world. But is it? The unusual hole on Port Marnock Beach stopped local astrophysics enthusiast Dave Kennedy in his tracks yesterday. And he's certain the small but heavy rock inside it came from up above. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, September 15th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Now, that clip for the podcast, you don't know what you're listening to just yet, but if you saw that, the clip, of course, starts with the man digging a hole in the beach. And then goes on the next day to be covered by the corporate media and a local astrophysicist enthusiast to tell you that this is a very important coverage of some astro, some gigantic cosmic event. And it turns out as absolutely none of those things. And it's a good example of how corporate media and experts alike can assume, can be opportunists, can be profiteers, can be liars, could be wrong. I think it's an important point to start with today, but we have a really important show. I'm following up to make sure we get the discussion, which will be at the latter half today of the WHO uh, video that went out from David Martin. And it is a really important conversation that I think encapsulates the bigger, longer, more, you know, sinister picture that is the global governance, the and what these entities really are. Or really what, where their funding comes from, what drives their decision-making process. You know, the WHO, the World Economic Forum. But in this case, specifically the WHO and why, in his words, it is a criminal organization. And I think it's an important discussion to have with every People are opening their minds to a lot of new things because their worldview has been shattered by the truth. But nonetheless shattered. It's an uncomfortable position. The truth has breached through because of your work, because of the clumsy nature of the government and the corporate media. COVID-19 and a lot of other things have really shaken people and they're beginning to ask questions about larger topics. And it's a it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We're going to talk about that to start off and the idea of experts and what that means in the bigger conversation. We're going to have updates today about Maui, some really important ones, actually, and East Palestine, even more important, actually, not in the sense of what story is more important, but in the context of the East Palestine conversation, the development that you're going to see in this, which really is no different than what I've already been telling you, but just continued to be found in the way the EPA is now deciding to change their tune is one of the most important developments in my mind in the conversation of East Palestine. It's just, it's it's unbelievable. We're going to talk about how important these discussions are in the bigger context of things as well, but we're also going to get into another interesting discussion around the XBB15 vaccine, the injection and the lies around this and what Jerome Adams is telling you on top of everything else you've already seen. And an, an important article from the New York Post that's coming out in regard to the Again, most of these things are stuff that we've already covered that you know from us already. But the bigger the point being corporate media now covering the the title, the real data behind the new COVID vaccines. And it's shocking. It really is shocking how little they're going on and pushing this on children. And the focus is not just hype opinion. The focus is weirdly on children more than it was before. Less dangerous, 
the children have never been affected by this by all accounts, by all peer-reviewed science, but it doesn't matter. And again, finishing with the WHO point and how little you actually mean to the power structure. But before we play that clip, for those that might have missed the opening small part of it, we're going to start with a couple points to just let you know what we're talking about here. We saw a lot of this, and we still are, in every topic you could possibly imagine. But of course, in COVID-19, lockdowns and masks unequivocally cut COVID infections, say experts. And this is, of course, the Daily Skeptic saying, give me a break, because that's ridiculous. And all of the evidence has, well, I, I shouldn't keep doing that. Of course, in my mind, the majority of the body of evidence, and I mean, when I say all, my mind is the, the evidence that's not completely ridiculous or observational. But again, I shouldn't be hyperbolic or, you know, I, I got to be clear. There, is, there are studies out there that would say that. My point, though, is if you look at the evidence before on these topics, the evidence of all the way through this and now continuing afterward, the body of evidence is undeniable. Clearly, we're all seeing the mass conversation fall apart right in front of us, but we should. Hopefully, if you watch the show, you already knew this from 2020 and even before that that was the case, that masks were not statistically significant, reducing transmission, that these things were actually hurting you. We just went over the study yesterday, a scathing study from Cell.com, peer-reviewed, finding a shocking level of increase of, oh my gosh, carbon dioxide, like we were saying in 2020, and people were laughing you out of town about. Turns out we were right, and turns out it actually has a really serious effect on stillbirths. Well, what do you know? Another angle, but also on lockdowns, which we know were devastating for the population, for children, for everybody. My point is, experts say, well, were they mistaken? Were they lying? Were they paid? Were they opportunists? All of those things are possible. That's the point that we need to recognize that's always present. And that's why you don't trust anybody in authority. You engage with what they're telling you. You consider their opinions based on what you think is important, their credentials, what they've said before. But then you look at other people's opinions. You, ch you consider somebody outside the mainstream. What do the independents say? That's intelligence. Blindly following anybody, even experts, is ignorant. And on that same note, bringing this over to the vaccine part of this, this is from 2021. Even in, even in 2021, they were already walking back and the, the, you know, the narrative was already falling apart and they're only barely admitting that. But it was very early on that it was very clear that these weren't stopping transmission. They were never designed to. We told you that in 2020. It's all there. COVID-19 vaccines never promised perfection. So shut up about it. <laughs> That's 2021. Experts say it's time to curb our highest expectations. Think about that. The same, the the novel, amazing thing they did that changed the world. Never went there, and now it's the basis for the future of all our vaccinations. They're just going like, you need to kind of curb your expectations because it's not perfect. Right when it came out, <laughs> that's amazing. My point was, experts, experts say, what experts? What does that mean? Are they the ones that are? You know, there's plenty of experts challenging everything you're saying. Go, you don't count them as experts. You know this conversation, right? The point is, this was everywhere throughout COVID. It's everywhere throughout everything we're talking about. The government wants to control the way that you perceive these things, and they have no shortage of opportunists and profiteers or ignorant people that don't know they're wrong. And I don't mean that in just what I think is right. I'm just saying in any context, whatever the topic may be, there you will guarantee they can find somebody with a white lab coat that will be willing to say whatever they want them to say. And maybe even they'll tell themselves to believe it. The point is, it's always there. This brings us to the point of the opening clip today. Now, this is hilarious. Before I even get into the details, let's just watch it all the way through so you guys can see. Now, before the podcast, the opening is the guy digging on the beach. And it says, the hole we dug on Saturday. And it says, when a hole you dug makes the news. And then the next slide is where the audio begins for the podcast. Let's watch the clip. 
Bernard. Now, finally, for now, a mysterious hole on a beach has caused a stir in North Dublin. And, and I forgot the most important part of what it said before, why nobody trusts journalism or science. Now, I mean, the way you should frame that is scientists or journalists, right? Because you, the idea of not trusting journalism or science is kind of the the way that they want to frame the way people look at this, like somehow anti-science. And that's not the way the person meant this in the video. It's just the way it's written down casually. The reality is why people don't trust these experts that they're putting forward, why people aren't trusting the corporate journalists that are blindly towing lines of the people they're supposed to be holding accountable, right? That's why, because of these, this is how a whole dog on the beach Saturday becomes a breaking story the next day and the experts back it up. A local astronomy enthusiast is hoping the crater in Port Marnock could be the aftermath of a cosmic event. It's a huge, mysterious crater that looks out of this world. But is it? The unusual hole on Port Marnock Beach stopped local astrophysics enthusiast Dave Kennedy in his tracks yesterday. And he's certain the small but heavy rock inside it came from up above. As you can tell by here, there's a scorch mark on this side here, so that would have been at the angle that it came down at. And uh, it is weighty. I'm not sure if it's composition, but we're definitely going to have to find out. The striking hole soon caught the attention of passers-by, many hoping that what they're witnessing is the aftermath of a once-in-a-lifetime cosmic event. Okay. So for those watching this right now, and, and rightly going, maybe they just dug that after they saw the news report and posted it on Twitter to get shares. That's a fair thing to think. I thought the same thing. Still funny. And it's still a good point to make about whether or not these people that, you know, the journalists in the corporate media are ridiculous and that there's a long line of experts that will say whatever they need to say to be called an expert by the corporate media. So it's a fair question. And we should think like that today. There's a lot of that happening, but it is true. And a lot of corporate media has already covered it. And it's hilarious, actually. This is the best part about it. Irish TV stations. Meteor mystery unravels in spectacular fashion. Here, get this. A TV station in Ireland got residents of a community in Dublin all excited with a report claiming a mysterious crater at their local beach might be proof of a once-in-a-lifetime cosmic event. You can almost feel the arguments of maybe climate change made this more likely. <laughs> Probably out there somewhere. But less than a day after the first report aired, touting a possible meteor strike, a day later, like great due diligence, corporate media, they were forced to admit it was actually just a hole dug up by two random guys. Virgin Media's original segment featured an interview with a local astrophysics enthusiast, which is just funny. It's just a, so And it actually says that right here, who said he's been watching NASA documentaries and claimed the hole on Port Marnock Beach was the impact site of a meteor. So a random guy. So here's what's great. You're a ridiculous conspiracy theorist for doing your research on things that are valid and important in, or anybody for that matter. But those people are also called conspiracy theorists. Here's a guy who watches videos of NASA documentaries on YouTube, and he's an expert, an enthusiast. Isn't that just hilarious that this is the, so when they do it, it's okay. When you do it, you're crazy. Always the moral of their story. Holding up a rock found inside the hole, he said, a scorch mark, which he's wrong about clearly, on it was proof of its otherworldly origins and that it should be tested by experts. Other residents were shown excitedly gathering around the hole, gushing about how spectacular it was to see the site of a meteor strike. But then came the update aired by the TV station the next day, which announced the mystery hole in the North Dublin Beach was apparently and the mystery had been solved. Footage emerged of the two men digging the hole. The astronomy enthusiast at the center of the origin segment has said he is disappointed, but still wants the rock analyzed. <laughs> because that makes sense, right? So I was wrong, but let's, let's analyze the random rock we found because maybe, maybe, yeah, that's somebody seeking attention, in my opinion. But 
just so you know, this is not just on partisan mirrors, the telegraph. You can look this up everywhere. It, this is the reality. These guys dug the hole. It's the same beach. It's the same hole. It's easy to prove. The point is, if you want really fine, which I took too much time, in fact, trying to make sure I wasn't wrong about it. Overall, it's hilarious, isn't it? But this is what corporate media it really is. And this is just a small Irish place, a channel. But we've seen this over and over. Overlock this with COVID-19. Corporate media comes out and says these things stop transmission, says this thing will end the pandemic. This thing won't hurt anybody. This thing doesn't have any side effects. It's 100% effective. This won't cause myocarditis. This won't cause all of this. Oh, jump forward 30 seconds later. Turns out myocarditis, breaking news. And it's just over and over and over. That's the moral of the story. It's everywhere. They are not people to blindly trust ever. So keeping that in mind for the entire discussion today, let that reflect on things across the board. Whether we're talking about the WHO, whether we're talking about the World Economic Forum, whether we're talking about elected officials or the FDA or the CDC, all of these people are in the same boat, especially if we can prove, which we already have, that these agencies have been grossly, if not entirely, captured. We literally just showed you the clip yesterday from Project Veritas before that we've showed you before that, actually, where the guy from the FDA is on the record saying that they're paid by these companies they're supposed to be holding accountable. We all know this. Everybody seems to know it. But when it comes to the mainstream corporate media stage, we act like it's not allowed to be said. We're clutching pearls and acting like it's unnecessarily harsh. Just ridiculous. So keeping this all in mind. I want to go over a couple more points about how not only the experts in these fields, including, by the way, and it's, I wouldn't call them experts, but my point relates to it as well. The politicians who are being, who are regarded as the, the leaders, right? The experts, in a sense, in regard to politics, right? They're the ones we're supposed to listen. They're fighting for you. It's the same game. So in the context of the experts or the politics in general, how this is always used against us. And on top of all of it, just like the experts will tell you it's safe and effective, and then the, the, the lady next door sh yells at you about how you're a conspiracy theorist because you disagree, it divides people. And that is how they achieve it in real time. Because we're fighting each other as it goes forward, regardless of what we end up deciding. Because we don't really matter in the conversation. So here is Kano the Great pointing out something that I think is important but not for the same reason that he's pointing out. But it says, just in, Representative Tom Ermer introduces a bill to ban the Federal Reserve from creating a central bank digital currency. But that does not seem to be the way this is coming across. It says a CBDC is nothing more than a CCP-style, China-style surveillance tool that can be weaponized to oppress the American way of life. Well, of course it comes in from a partisan framing, because that's what works for politics. It's to argue that a any kind of uh, a surveillance tool, technologically advanced or not, is only a China concept is wildly naive. And I'm not saying that to Kanoa the Great. He's just quoting what the guy's saying. What I'm saying is the person that would say that is trying to manipulate your perception. Because the U.S. government, whether or not we're at the same level of technocratic control that, is, uh, that China is at, the United States government is drooling over getting to that direction because we haven't allowed it, or rather just they haven't seen it an opportunity to roll it out the same way, but we are surveilled to the teeth. We are completely watched and covered and and everything, guys. Let's not pretend like it's unique to China. But my point is about what he says in this clip, which is that it's not really about not allowing it. It's about making sure it's done the right way. And as always, the two-party paradigm steps in to... So what's the ultimate result, no matter what either side is saying? That we get a central back digital currency, no matter what. As long as it's done the right way... The people that want to pretend that they're on the right side of the paradigm are going to go, yes, it's the good CBDC. We just played you the clip of the Q guy saying 
they're going to shut. Oh, and by the way, that's supposed to happen this month. Like the September 13th is supposed to be the beginning of the new pandemic, which they're still wrong about. But of course, they'll probably find a way to make that the truth somehow in a month from now. The bottom line is that they will. They were saying in that clip that when the good guys take over, they're going to roll out all the new technologies. Oh, good. So it's, it's the good guy. Great reset. <laughs> See my point? It's always like that. So here's what he has to say in the clip about CBDCs. Back of the people's house where House Republicans are ready to continue delivering on our promises to the American people. One important aspect of our common sense agenda is actually protecting Americans' financial privacy, particularly when it pertains to this lawless administrative state. Yeah, but, you know, these are people in the government that are regularly voting on bills, legislation that pass that aggressively violate your constitutional rights every day. I'm not going to take the time to go over any number of bills that they're all a part of that show you a thousand different ways. They're actively violating your rights. Feel free to look at it. It's easy to prove. So it's frustrating to, get to act like he cares about your constitutional rights or your privacy while literally everything else they're doing is violating your constitutional rights and your privacy. So just take that with a grain of salt. That's why I reintroduced a bill yesterday called the Central Bank Digital Currency Anti-Surveillance State Act, which puts a check on unelected bureaucrats and ensures that the United States digital currency policy upholds our values of privacy, individual sovereignty, and free market competitiveness. Right. So as long as the Central Bank Digital Currency upholds the values he wants, then it's all good. That's what he said right there. Recent actions from the Biden administration have made it clear that they are not only itching to create a digital dollar, but they're willing to trade America. It already exists, guys. See, this is my point about the way these things misinform Americans. The USD coin is already tradable on Coinbase right now. If you, I mean, just because it's not the fun, the central role right now does not mean that's not already exactly what we're talking about. As soon as they decide to back it with the central bank and use it as a currency that we're all obliged to use that is the, it's but it's already there so it's at, playing it like this is making people think that they can step up and do the, I, I think this is about the fact that it's already ready and now they're just trying to use politics to create a situation where you choose yourself a version that they pretend is the good version of the problem that's already there that's what this happens happens every single time americans right to financial privacy for a surveillance style cbdc this bill ensures the future of crypto is in the hands of the American people, not the... We're not even talking about cryptocurrency, not really, right? I mean, a digital currency is... is, is it's not a cryptocurrency. They're, do, they're different things. Now, cryptocurrency is digital currency, but not every digital currency is necessarily cryptocurrency. We're talking blockchain in that regard. Some of these seem to be going in that direction. But my point is, this is just conflating. This is like the conversation in the beginning that James Corbett was breaking down about the confusion between that, you know, not all not all cryptocurrency is Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is, is always cryptocurrency. People can confuse and conflate all these things. And that's what seems to be happening here. Now, maybe he doesn't know that. But overall, people are misinformed and now acting like we need to control the cryptocurrency space. You know, it just it just gives the power to the very people that have already been violating your constitutional rights and have already been. I mean, these are the same people that are already attacking the entire industry in its own right. In, in one of the, a lot of them, I would argue, we should be skeptical of all of it, but a lot of them, I would argue, could potentially serve as ways to push back. But we should be skeptical about that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm waiting to see how this flushes out to see what that might even amount to. But my opinion would be, like we made the analogy of the internet, is that there are coins out there or crypt technologies that are logically set up to be ways that you could circumvent the control that they're trying to place out. Right? So all these people that were 
with their hair on fire, screaming about how every single thing in this direction should be shunned and we should go the other direction. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it seems a little bit naive to say that we're going to just allow them to do what they're going to do and just run into the woods. Well, at that, that, reg- that kind of mindset is going to ensure they're going to get what they want. I would like to say that there's ways we should, you know, this is about building parallel economies, that kind of thing, peer-to-peer around them. And that, with the age we're in, maybe maybe that means bartering to you, or maybe it means a type of, a, or just digital currency that does not align with what they're trying to do. I'm not advocating that. I'm just simply saying that we need to keep our options open in regard to what we're open, entertaining for ways to push back. And if there's an opportunity for us to do that, we should take it. And that doesn't mean anything that's kind of turned that kind of statement into. It's just being like, again, the, the internet was not designed to do what it today, what it is being used for today. It was designed, in my opinion, to control, surveil. Now it's our key tool to push back with. Something to consider. Administrative state. By prohibiting the Federal Reserve from creating a tool with unfettered insight into Americans' financial data. If not open, permissionless, and private, like cash, a CBDC is nothing more than a CCP-style surveillance tool that can be weaponized to oppress the American way of life. We're not going to let that happen, not on House Republicans' watch. And I want to thank the Financial Services Committee for considering our bill this month, and we're going to continue working to ensure that the digital economy is designed by Americans and emulates American values. Well, there's a big difference between American values and the U.S. government values. So let's, let's, you know, let's wonder which one he actually means. But realize that on this that this is not even something that is, this is just introduced. So my my argument would be that eventually this is going to be something that gets watered down, and that's how this simp- this game usually goes. Compromise is a dirty word in politics, but this brings us into the next step, which is already happening, guys. That's my point. This is already there. We have already enshrined the framework during COVID nineteen. All the digital coins are basically already ready. This is just about their execution, and now we're starting to see the talking points. This are this is we we should have done something years ago if we actually wanted to stop this. And this is why people like James Corbett out there have been trying to rally people to make choices before it's necessarily slapping you in the face. But it says Australia's fifth largest bank has announced it will scrap cash transactions in all its branches. This is its uh, branches to scrap cash, checks, and phone payment services. So it's not just they're literally scrapping anything that'll give you the opportunity to circumvent the digital server. That's not about anything other than control. That's not even, that's not even more convenient for anybody. <laughs> like that's actually, you get the point there. This is on the surface about driving you into this structure. This one is an alarming clip. I think this is an important point for us to really understand for a lot of people don't even know how this works. The terms like boiling frog, totalitarian tiptoe these are terms that basically mean that they slow roll these usually things that we do not want and they drip 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 the things out right and slow roll until suddenly we go hey what's this all about and they pause right and they wait and they make sure that you're calmed down again and then they push it back out again and they do this and it's a slow boil. And the, the term, the spoiling frog term comes from a cooking concept where, where they, you know, place like in frog legs where they cook frogs. The idea is that you, if you put a frog in boiling water, it'll, it'll literally hop out. But if you put it in a, in a lukewarm water and slowly raise the temperature, it will sit there until it dies. Now think about that con- in that in the context of you, right? That we are the ones in this water and it is slowly being turned up. 
how it gets to the point well, where... Well, th things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you, and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again, right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well. I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And if anybody's... Very clear. I mean, this is a very, very open tactic. Now, as I wrote here, this is called the boiling frog, slow boil, the totalitarian tiptoe. It's about slowly increasing the agenda that seemingly nobody wants so that you aren't aware of how much is changing until it's too late. Like I just said about the cryptocurrency point, right? Now, right this moment is the time to push back. I don't mean violence. I do not comply. Now, here is just the point that makes this, you know, where this is going on. This is the palm payment technology, right? Now, you could think of this in a lot of ways, right? This is, you know, like the I've made the point about how they, they make these statements about microchips. Like we're literally at the, the stage of smart dust, of nanotechnology, of the Internet of nano things. That's real. Like talking about the idea of not just the Internet of bodies, but the idea of Internet of nano things where they have nanotech in your body that is interconnected with the Internet and, and meshed. I mean, that's what's that's real. These are very open topics. Just type in. Uh, what is it? it? I little O N T. That's I O N T. But little O. And that's that's the that's the term. Internet of nano things. It's very real. The World Economic Forum talks about it. So my point is, when they put out these clunky concepts of look at this huge microchip. It's all, I don't know how we don't realize that that's ridiculous. We're not at the age of micro, even the word microchip in the context of nanotechnology is clumsy, outdated. It doesn't even make sense to me. So when we talk about palm payment technology, people are like, what, microchip? They don't even realize that, that all of that might have been a, a red herring to get us to look over here while we're at the point of biometrics. But I guarantee you the idea of nanotech smart dust, which does overlap with the concept of what we think of as microchip, but in the size of nanotechnology, is real and is part of the conversation. But here, we already showed you every one of these Whole Foods are already starting this. And they're trying, I mean, they tried to get me to do it at a different store just the other day. I saw the thing. I forget what store that was. So this is happen this happening all over the place. Soon you will be able to pay for groceries at every Whole Foods in the U.S. with just a swipe of your hand. Amazon says that the pay-by-palm technology will be at all of those stores nationwide by the end of the year. Customers just have to hover their hand over the device to pay. This method is already being used at 200 Whole Foods locations across 20 states. And you can also find it in other places, stores like Panera Bread. Hardware editor at TechCrunch, Brian Heater, joins us now. Brian, let's just start off. Tell us how this technology works. Sure. So in terms of the actual enrollment process, the first time you go to one of these Amazon One locations, you wave your hand over it. That will enroll it you in the program, and then you associate that with a, a credit card that you have on file. In terms of the actual underlying technology behind it, it, it's not actually getting a read of the palm itself, which you know I think is, is what most people expect. It's actually taking a look at the uh, the vein patterns underneath your hands which amazon is is effectively saying is um is is a way to do this kind of biometric identification without actually giving any uh identifying information away
Yeah, until you find out that that's the next generation of their identifying technology, right? Of course it's identifying. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't work. Like, the, we are being played at every single level. Now, look, there's plenty of people that want this stuff. All I'm saying is that this is not, it's very clear that all of these things, just like we're seeing them roll back cash as they put in the CBDC. At first, they just floated these things. Options. Then there's benefits, then there's penalties, then they force it, right? That's every single time. So right now we're at the stage where they're saying, here, look at this neat thing. It's benefiting. And you can see there are places where they go, oh, come to the front of the line. Jump right up here. Make it quick. Oh, you want to come into the concert? Hey, you can use your palm this time and you can jump right in front of the line. This is already happening. Then it becomes, well, if you don't have your palm tech, you got to go to that over that line over there on the other side of the street. And it takes you 45 extra minutes. Oh, well, clearly then everyone's going to do it. Right. And then eventually it's, well, if you're not doing it, you're killing grandma every single time. Mark my words, guys. It's literally happening in in a rapid pace right this moment. So we need to start paying attention and we need to start acting now. Now, here's a a one small slight deviation, but really in the same point. How they use the two-party illusion and the false idea of experts and what they under, like to constantly confuse us and make us think that what is good is bad, to make you think what is, I mean, the, the analogy in this is basically that, you know, Murder is good if it's done by the good guys, right? Foreign policy is all about freedom when we're doing it, right? This is basically the same concept, and this goes into the same point about politicians. And as always, whether it is experts or on the Great Reset, the two-party illusion is what stops us from really seeing things. Here is Sam Husseini going all the way back to 22 years ago. 22 years ago with Mr. O'Reilly, cuts his mic, who literally lays out exactly what's happening, exactly what is going to happen, and... He was right all the way back then. And yet Mr. O'Reilly is still still in there. I mean, it's, it's amazing how this works. And I said, well, let's play the clip first. You can listen for yourselves. Nine thirteen, two thousand one. So basically it's a waste of their time and they kill people. That's what it comes down to. Correct. Yes. And he considers himself a. Con- and one more point, actually. Notice the hyperbolic nature of what o- O'Reilly says when it comes to the concept of terrorists and war, they wouldn't be able to say a lot of these things in the same way today because we're not in the fervor, the moment where, oh, you know, do whatever you have to because terrorists kind of mindset. Well, now we're at that same mindset for COVID-19 for a lot of people, or we were at least in the moment, or for the biosecurity state, where you should all take the shot. I don't care if it's dangerous to make sure we're safe. It's the same kind of hyper or kind of the mania that takes over these people and the media and the government use it against you. So here is Sam Husseini trying to come in to be rational. Well, let's, why, why, why is it okay for us to kill women and children? You know, they don't care at the time. It's the same thing happening with COVID-19 today, and I guarantee it's going to happen at some point with climate change arguments or some kind of push to the technocratic state. It's all happening to drive you into that, and it's going to be maybe the cyber polygon, cyber pandemic. These things are all coming up, and at some point, one of these things is going to be used to drive the next step, and that's not my opinion. I mean, they're almost telling you that out loud. Comrade, a warrior in the war against America. Right. And that's what he stands for. And he feels that he's a soldier carrying out this message. A soldier who kills little children and women. Now, there are no soldiers like that. Here. Now, oh, yeah. Okay. It's no soldiers like that, huh? Except all over the world in all war. And every so, I mean, every military around the world has clear examples of that. And Sam Hussein, he will call him out on that absurd statement. All right. Well, most Americans are united in their support of President Bush and the desire to bring Osama bin Laden and other terrorists to justice. There are some differing voices. 
Joining us now from Washington is Sam Husseini, the former spokesman for the Arab anti American Anti Discrimination Committee. And from Urbana, Illinois, is Francis Boyle, an international law professor at the University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign. Hey, look at that. Dr. Boyle, back before they called him a crazy conspiracy theorist for the COVID 19 discussion. Remember that? Yeah, because he was an expert and he is an expert and he's somebody that they clearly engage with until suddenly he was saying something that they no longer agree with. And now he's a lunatic, crazy, anti-science conspiracy theorist for the rest of his life. That's how it works. Great job, journalists, corporate media. Francis Boyle is the one who wrote the bio, bio, the, the bio uh, defense act that the government still uses. And he came out and early on told you that these things came from biolabs in regard to COVID as well as Ebola and plenty of other things. They don't like him now. Pain. All right, Sam, you've been on the program before. Um, I'm just going to give you a chance to uh, tell us how you're feeling tonight about all of this. Sure. Um, well, the former group that I was with, the American uh, Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, and when I, when I uh, you know, Tuesday I think was hard uh, for a hell of a lot of us. And, um, you know, I remember I sold perfume door to door. Um, in case you missed it, I feel I wasn't going to say it, but in case you missed it, O'Reilly very clearly said anti-American when it's anti-discrimination, but he kind of corrected it, but that's why he smiled in the beginning. I mean, it's clear he doesn't like it. You'll see as the conversation goes forward, but don't miss that. O'Reilly clearly kind of floated this anti-American point in there right in the beginning. It's just ridiculous. And the World Trade Center, the complex that they have, down, that they had down there. Um, and I went to school in Pittsburgh, and I was city busy emailing friends in New York, trying to make sure that people were safe. Um, and now I live in D.C., and those are the three places that got hit. Um, I, I think that I think that we have to look at what what where are we going with this? I mean, ju just a minute ago, Bill, you were saying that soldiers don't kill women and children. Correct. But yet, I mean, what sickened me was the act of what happened and that people would kill so many innocent people but now i hear a drumbeat of having our soldiers kill women and children well wait a minute now, and, that and, hasn't and, happened and that hasn't happened and I've people it, people no, overreact no. and and uh you know if there is bombing um of course maybe other innocent people might be killed oh so so how can you in the same sentence say that that doesn't happen but then, you know, when bombs, it sometimes happens. So you're a clown, O'Reilly. That's the reality. You're a propagandist who's pushing the line that's supposed to be, you know, jingoistic pro-America because bad guy terrorists. And the reality is you're damn well aware that they don't have, even, even when they have precision targeting, we've already gone through this during the Obama's administration and Bush's and all of them for that matter, that they just simply change words. You know, if we bomb there, that makes anybody in the area a combatant. So that infant toddler, we... At, we, at, we write down as a combatant because they were where we bombed. That was Obama's administration. These are all real things. They're well aware that these things, and even if you just argue it's just collateral damage, well, you still have to say, yes, then women and children die when we do that. So what you are saying, oh, all of them, like O'Reilly, is that, well, they attacked us, so we're going to do it back, which means they'll, then children will die too. So this is my point about all of this, the cluster munitions to Ukraine, the idea of anything we see overlapping with Israel and Palestine, they simply go, oh, well, they did it first. So you're no better is what you're actually admitting, that you just do the same villainous evil thing because they did it first. What are we, in kindergarten? If you want to pretend that you're better, if you want to take the high road and show the world what it's supposed to be like, well, then you don't do that. 
And I'm not saying that there's not a world where you don't just allow people to attack you and don't take action about it. But my point is that we've already proven from this point till now that they didn't do that, that they were very clumsy and sloppy. And in fact, many examples chose to kill women and children. Make sure you hear that. That's not my opinion. Actions were ordered. People were ordered to do some of the most vile things you could ever even mention in the Iraq war and plenty of other situations where they're on the record saying how they were ordered to rape, to murder by their superiors. So let's just put this to bed, acting, acting like this is not something that happens at the hands of U.S. soldiers or any, for that matter, Russian soldiers, Chinese soldiers, Ukrainian soldiers, obviously. These are in, in war. These things happen. That's why people like Hussein and others are anti-war. We don't want these things to happen. And I don't right. believe we're going to we're going to have indiscriminate bombing. We might have targeted bombing in military well, places. But look, Bill, wait, Bill, wait, wait, wait. Please, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, Bill. Bill, we have a history of this. I mean, exactly. Colin Powell advocated, apparently, during the buildup of the buildup of the Gulf War, uh, flooding Baghdad and killing possibly four million people. Papers are now coming out in a, in a magazine called The Progressive uh, that we intentionally took out their farms, their um, uh, th their water and their electrical facilities. Yep, exactly what's happening in Yemen. That's what's happening in Syria. Except today we just lie about it. And they lied about it then too. But the point is, they, on the record, took action because it would hinder something militarily or, you know, maybe because they wanted to hurt people. Certainly possible. But it directly, and they knew it would, hurt exponentially more civilians than anything else. When you attack the grain silos and... Uh, and, and literally block off any access they have to medicine or anything else or you know everything that's happening in Yemen is deliberate to make them suffer. What's happening in Syria where you're taking all of their food, their wheat, their oil, you're hurting civilians. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, right now they're sending money for reconstruction in Ukraine while the war's still going on, but are refusing to let any reconstruction from anybody go to Syria because Assad's still in power. Right, because you care about the people, right? It's just it's it's distasteful. It makes me sick to pretend like these people care about human life in any context. Yeah, but go take your dangerous gene shot for your child, right? Because they care about you. And you, I'm not and getting then, your point here, Mr. Hussaini. I'm not yeah, getting your man, point at all. Please, all right. I mean, please, if you're going to say if you're going to start to justify this kind of an atrocity with past atrocities, me? I'm going to I'm going to pull a plug on you, Bill. Bill, I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm I'm saying that are you doing that? Exactly. Are you saying that? Some atrocities are good and some are bad. I'm saying all atrocities are all bad. Right, but I'm saying, I'm saying to you that... I'm tired. Isn't it funny how these arguments were coming up a long time? This is like an overlap of saying, you know, all lives matter, but that's bad. You're supposed to be along with me and say only one side matters more. Right, no, I guarantee there was somebody out there saying all lives matter and they meant it in a mean way. <laughs> sure. But it's just really dumb to say that all lives matter is somehow a negative. You know what I mean? Like this, what he's saying is clear. Any of them, it's bad no matter who does it. So don't pretend, O'Reilly, that you're not trying to say that when we do it, it's acceptable because of X, Y, and Z. That's what he's saying. But he gets angry because he's calling him out. Of coming on and condemning atrocities, I want the atrocities to stop. But they will. Won't you stop. join me in in, in stopping Mr. all the atrocities? No, look, Mr. Husseini, let's be let's be yeah, unemotional here last... and rational. You just heard yes. the FBI agent who arrested the first World Trade Center bomber say, <laughs> "Can't reason with them. You can't convince them." You can't do anything to stop them other than kill them or incarcerate them for life. Think about that. So a random FBI guy says that's what all of them are. Do you realize how ignorant that is? That just anybody that we see as a brown terrorist, that's somebody on the other side, you can't reason with them. You can't do it. Like, that's just garbage. 
They're mindless villains. I mean, that's 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 U.S. government propaganda. That's Assad being a frothing at the mouth villain that just likes to murder children because even though it gives the U.S. government every excuse they need to act, you know, despite all the evidence, of course. It's amazing, right? This is ridiculous. This is a cartoon. But that's who's it. them. Who's the, well, we want to get the perpetrators. Of course, we yeah. want to get the perpetrators. And there the are who did this. And we want to get the people. And we want to get the people who harbored them. Of course. There's no argument about that. But look at the last time we went through this. We, we uh, last time our embassies, people took out our embassies in the uh, in East Africa. What did we do? We bombed the Sudan. What did we hit in the Sudan? We hit a pharmaceutical plant that that was supplying the pharmacies no, that was for an a, impoverished African that was country. A mistake. Oh, it was a mistake. <laughs> what a clown. Like, I just I, I just would love to laugh. I'd love to make him sit there and watch this with me and make fun of him the entire time. What an idiot. It's a mistake. Well, well we, are we going to do the same thing here? I hope Are we not. just going to reflexively, quote unquote, retaliate here's what we're gonna and do, kill Mr. innocent Hussaini. civilians and not, not the perpetrators? All right, here's what we we're going to do, Mr. Husseini. Mr. Husseini, calm down. Sure. Bill, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's what we're going to do. How many times have we seen Bill O'Reilly freak out on the air? But the point is that you're, you're telling, so we're talking about the murder of children and you want him to calm down and he's not even yelling. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a ploy. These guys are manipulators. I mean that in the real sense, like he's tra trained in how to manipulate the way the conversation goes. A lot of these people are, that's not even like a conspiracy theory. That's just, it's like debate in a sense, right? You know how to turn something on its ear and make it look the way you want it to. And I'll let you react to it. And then yeah. we'll get to professor. Uh, Boyle, get his reaction to it. What we're going to do is we're going to take out this Osama bin Laden. Now, whether we go in... Because Bill knows, right? Because he's so in the know. In ...with air power or whether we go in with a Delta Force or whatever, he's a dead man walking. He's through. He should have been through long before this. He's been wanted for eight years. Now they're going to go in and they're going to get him. If Except for the fact they were funding, working with him, protecting him, you know, that we can prove... To check out the Al-Qaeda documentaries from James Corbett. That's not because his opinion based on a YouTube video, but because of the receipts, the actual government documentation that everybody pretends isn't there. The Taliban government of Afghanistan does not cooperate. Then we. Oh, yeah. The ones they're working with today. I'm sorry. I should stop stopping it. I just can't. I can't help it. Uh, it's so stupid. You know, the Taliban that was a bad guy, we have to invade, and then they're our ally, but then they're not again. But now we have to help them because we can want to leave. And now we're going to fight them again because they're bad. It's just, it's narrative, guys. It's all narrative. We will damage that government with air power, probably. All right? We will blast who, them who because... Who will kill in the process? Exactly. Doesn't make any difference. No. They... Oh, no. It doesn't make a difference who they kill in the process. You just contradicted yourself in the same interview. No, it does make a difference. No, I don't want more civilians dead. We've had civilians dead in New York, and now you're saying maybe it's okay to have civilians dead in Afghanistan. Mr. Is, this is war. Stop it. This Let's is war. Stop it. This yeah, yeah, is war. Exactly. Now it's okay. And in war, you don't kill civilians. You don't kill women and children. Those are your words, Bill. Oh, yeah. Let's stop stick it. to those words. All right, let's go to Professor Boyle. Yeah, cut his mic, because he made me look like a fool. Those were your words, you complete clown. And now you're saying it's war, so it's okay? I mean, how do you take someone like this seriously? This is ridiculous. Um, Bill, uh, Mr. I don't want to insult you, Mr. Husseini, but this is this is this is you are just that's made the so most absurd sad, statement Bill. in the world. That means I we wouldn't have bombed the Nazis or the Japanese. We wouldn't have done any of that because you don't want somebody who's declared war on us to be who's punished. Declared war on us. Right. The terrorist states Get have them. declared Get war, Mr. Husseini. Cut his mic. Right. But bomb, bomb Afghanistan into the, you know, bomb Syria for, for 20, bomb every, that's what they're talking about. Right. He's not talking about 
pre- precision targeting of terrorism. I mean, I can go off on this forever. But the point, no one's saying that there's not a justifiable reason to defend yourself or in any case, you could even make an argument, which I, I would have a whole strong discussion about, about bombing back, let's say. But who are we talking about? That's what he's trying to say. Are we talking about the Mujahideen? We're talking about ta- the Taliban? We're talking about ISIS, Al-Qaeda? I mean, the point is, it's this nebulous concept that justifies whatever they want to do. Bill is a line tower. That's all he's doing. And he knows that, most likely, because he just got made, he, like, he, that's embarrassing for him. He probably got really embarrassed after that. And that's probably why he screams at his staff when things don't work out for him. But in any case, let's take this into the next part of the conversation. Right. So we're in a time of this conversation or, you know, the point of this being the experts, the two party illusion, the misleading and how they try to use these events to justify the next things they do. So in regard to Maui and Lahaina in particular, or as we're going to get into after this East Palestine, what have we seen the entire time? We have seen nothing but experts or what they tell you are experts try to tell you what they think before we even know what's going on. You realize still right now they don't they'll still tell you they don't really know what started these fires. But yet somehow we're not allowed to ask it. Or if you say it could have been this fake news, fact check, not true. Okay, how is it not true if you still don't know what started it? Apparently, they're able to decide what isn't what happened somehow without knowing what actually happened. Same thing with COVID-19 doesn't cause myocarditis. Fake news until later. Fauci admits it embarrassingly over and over and over and over. So let's talk about a couple of important points on this. One of these guys that's being pushed forward as the one who knows is somebody like Governor Josh Green. So there's been a lot of conversation about the smart city idea and whether that was a justifiable or a reason for either them to make this happen or to act differently in regard to how they solve or stop the fire because of this or any number of variations therein. So here, let's start with this clip from Freddie Pontone, which I don't, I haven't seen really get a lot of reach, which is interesting because here he is talking about the, of course, climate change and how it's affecting our and very clearly, I don't know what else he was about to say, seems to say smart city and changes what he has to say and goes a different direction. Listen for yourself. An era of global you know, climate change. And what we do in Hawaii, we will be able to lead by example as far as mitigating efforts and our pain. When people see the pain that we have suffered, they're going to take us Seriously, it's an unusual thing for a person like me to get to speak to a very broad audience, you know, a broad international audience. But I will make this case. Smart, um, smart, um, smart, um, smart, um, smart, um, smart um, legislatures and, and governments will make good investment in fire no mitigation. There's no w- smart let you really <laughs> that's obvious to me now i'm not going to tell you i know for sure because that's not an objective statement i can't tell you for sure what he was going to say anybody saying they know for sure i mean that's uh, you know same point the bottom line though is in my opinion what else could he have possibly been saying clearly he pulled back and reflected on it even in the part where it doesn't repeat you know, just listen to it straight through it's pretty clear that he wasn't going to say smart legislators and then and then what you're confused about the word legislators or politicians like come on guys so There's a reason either, you know, and it could just be because he stopped short because he's all the conspiracy theorists. Man, who knows? That's possible, too. But to me, let's be real about what we are seeing in the the outline of what they're doing in Hawaii, what they're doing elsewhere. I mean, let's be clear. The smart city direction is the the world around. 
So it's not, it's not saying that they want to build a smart city in Maui is, is not that hard to wrap your mind around. They're trying to do it everywhere, right? But we'll get, I'll show you the document that I, we pointed out early in all this that I really didn't get too much into. And I still don't think it's provable, but it's still important to kind of reflect on and look back at. But what's interesting to me, he's talking about the, the age of climate change. What does that even mean? It's a stupid statement. But the point is clearly he's tapped into that political agenda. And the idea of what he's basically saying in the beginning it almost seems to say like it almost seems to like he is very clearly suggesting that we're going to set the tone for the world. But based on what the way you recover from this disaster, well, that doesn't really make sense. What would that do for the world? Well, the world is in the midst of this massive reimagining, right? The new normal and the, the great reset and all these things you're talking about. And all of that has to do with 5G and smart technology. That's their points. So when he starts to talk about setting the tone for the rest of the world, what else could he mean? The way they move forward from this and redesign this in a way that is the way they like it, which is going to set a tone for the rest of the world. That'd be my opinion. I think that's pretty clear, actually, but you guys can decide for yourselves. Thank you, Freddie, for posting this out, pointing this out. I think it's any also points out is just body language. I agree with that, but you can decide for yourself. So first, before we get into the document, which I'll show you again, we, we, we were actually, that's not it. It's uh, right here. Or wait, no, it's not. Where, where is it, Ryan? Here we go, right here. This is the new one, actually. There's an, there's an upcoming Digital Hawaii Summit in t- September 2025, 20, September 25th. Before we get to that and, re- and show you what I mean by what, why this, you know, there's some interesting points to this. Oh, son of a gun. I, it stopped being highlighted. I'll, I know where they are. Let's point out something James O'Keefe just posted. I'm only going to play the beginning of it. Watch the whole thing. It's a, it's a 14-minute clip. But he was just there. And he has some secret recordings of both the, I guess, more of the, because uh, there, there's the local police that are like the local Lahaina Maui police. Then there's like the, the or rather the local Lahaina, there's the county level police. Then there's the, the state, but they're, they're all seemingly there in some effect. Now, by the way, again, I made this point the other day, but make sure you understand that those dark, the, like the darker cars that are like unmarked, but have the lights on top. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to say FBI and secret things. No, maybe, maybe. But as I talked to Shelby today again, and what I've seen from the guy, uh, I forget his name, the real estate guy and others that have come up against them, they come out and they're just police. They're either local or county police, most of them from Maui. So I don't know why they've got different cars. That's a good question. What does that mean? You guys can, that was something Shelby and I were discussing. But just again, I have to make the statement. There's a lot of people out there spreading a lot of unfair verifiable or outright false information in particular around this topic. People are grifting all over the place around this in particular topic. That tends to tell me that there is something important around it. That's just my gut. Usually that stuff gets dumped into this when there's something like, like with East Palestine, right? Same thing. We're going to get to that in a second. No, here it says O'Keefe uncovered in Lahaina. Maui police and sheriffs tell the journalists governor had prohibited photography, which we already knew. But just so he just reiterates that they're not allowing them to take pictures. I don't understand that. What would that possibly be about? It's not some decency rule. The people want to be there. They don't want they're not letting them come back. There's also these weird. I I, I wasn't able to confirm it before the show went live, but Shelby sent me a picture of what are, I guess, these uh, documents that are out uh, what that decides whether or not you're allowed to go back to your own property. And I guess there's some arbitrary size limitation that if it's under a certain amount, you're not allowed to go back. But if it's over, how, how else do you take that? But people that have bigger places that are richer. But again, I was able to confirm that. So I'll circle back to that in another show. But it says Hawaii National Guard says Maui police and sheriffs are a-holes who are puffing chests. Right. So you have people, local people from the islands that are basically kind of letting him see, you know, letting you hear a little bit of the truth. 
And here, I'll let you listen to it right now, just the beginning of it. And But please watch this. It's a good clip. Okay. They're just making sure that this bypass isn't... Um, nobody's parking along it. Nobody's uh, taking photos. It's not, okay. it's not like we're, they're trying to hide anything, but it's actually a... Uh, emergency thing down there. I filmed with a button camera. I don't want nobody stopping on the side and taking photos. I could be arrested for doing this right now. You can't take yeah. a picture. Anybody can take pictures. No one can stop you guys from taking pictures. <laughs> All right, so that's them right there. It's, no, I, that doesn't mean just because they say that, that that makes it the truth. I mean, let's put it this way. It is the truth because that's your constitutional right. Regardless of what these people declare an emergency about, that's the age of emergency governance in every possible way. They declare an emergency and they go, oh, you're Second Amendment right. Pause. <laughs> Well, no, that's even the people in, what was that, uh, New Mexico or was it Arizona? I forget now. But they, she did that. I think it was New Mexico. And not even the local police were enforcing it, right? Because it's ridiculous and unconstitutional. So in this case, he's right. You're allowed to take pictures, but they'll probably still arrest you because they don't care about your rights. But realize these are local National Guard and local police who are telling you, no, you're allowed to. We were going to get arrested. Picture. Kind of pushing, puffing the chest. Well, it's part of the emergency proclamation. Um, that this whole area is being under the wildfire disaster area. So if you guys park here, that's technically Why? in violation. I was going to make this in a detail. I mean, do they do this in other fires we've seen? No. So what, what? there's something very fishy around all of this topic. And anybody honest with themselves can see that. Now, that doesn't have to mean that it amounts to whatever narrative the guy says on the Internet. But ultimately, there is something going on here. We have to acknowledge that. There's a, The way they're handling this is unprecedented, in my opinion. I'm a policeman in Honolulu and I never heard of that. People are missing still? Uh, unaccounted for. Their bodies like, got cremated, so they're like dust. So right now, that's important for one of these next parts. So he's already telling you that there's bodies that have been cremated. Now, some of them they're arguing are people that have already been identified. But I don't know. It just, there's a lot about this that doesn't add up with the bigger story. See, why would you cremate these bodies if there's still an investigation going on? I mean, especially if there's half of these people that aren't even being allowed to engage with this process because they're acting like they're still, what they're claiming, still searching. That just makes sense to me. So it's hard to get the DNA, DNA off them. The dogs can come in and try to get a scent, and then they run the DNA. It's like, how does that work with, like, the First Amendment and stuff like that? We want to stop and do, like, a news report on the side of the road. You would be able to do it where it's not in front of the burn zone. I don't know if there's anything set up for journalists. Yeah, a free speech zone. I don't zone. want to, but usually on the second offense because it is within the proclamation. They only all these, you know, unmarked cars, they park on the side of the road. Like feds or, or? I don't know who they are. And when are you filing this lawsuit? About five minutes. And where are you filing it? Federal court. And uh, we're just trying to make sure that the government is kept in check. Otherwise, they will go unhinged. Now, make sure you watch it. There's some there is some important stuff in there. But the main point for me is just the contradiction from local police versus the the the, you know, whatever higher authority is there. Now, let's take this to. A clip that Shelby just sent me and she put out on her on her Instagram, make sure you follow her here and, and her, you know, unjected Twitter accounts and so on, where she goes to look at what these are, what their refrigerated forensic facility trucks. Now, just just right out of the gate, make sure you understand that this it's weird that this is something that people are are disputing. There's already been multiple corporate news reports about this reality. This here's just one of them. The FBI has set up mobile refrigerated morgue to store casualties. This is at the point when they were still saying it was 96 people. That's the death toll. 
This is August 13th. So it's been going on the whole time. So it's not disputable that they have refrigerated trucks for the dead. But what we what this what this ends up showing, I find really interesting. Oh, well, somebody makes a good point in the chat. Does he not mean that they were cremated with the fire? Yeah, maybe you're maybe that you're right. But that people don't tend to use the word cremated unless that means like the official term. But, you know, you're right. That's a good point. Maybe that was just the word he used. And what they meant was the bodies were gone in the fire themselves. But then why would they need the trucks for that? Or, you know, but yeah, but that's a great point, though. I'm glad I saw that. So here is your video. So let's watch this first. Oh, actually, I will show you this first, actually. Here is a, is a drone shot of the trucks that I will prove to you as even on their on their statements, which is really hard for you to hear in the video, but I confirmed this with Shelby and the other person we got the video from that's her friend, that one, they say yes that they're trucks, but again, we don't need to prove that, that we know they're there, but that they're loading bodies. Here you can see from this drone shot, a body bag literally coming out of the morgue van and being loaded into one of these trucks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of these trucks. And in the video, you'll see that there even there's a core, like connections for a lot of these things. So nine trucks that was here days before this. Now on these videos, it looks like there's anywhere between four and six of them. So I'll address that in a second, but that mean, that could only mean a couple of things. Either they somehow already know that there's not going to be enough bodies to fill those, which is why wouldn't they tell everybody that? And that's why they, oh, we'll send half of them home. Or they filled up those other half and they already sent them somewhere. You can decide for yourself. But here's what Shelby finds. Hi. So I am outside the alleged spot where there's apparently 3,800 bodies being stored. In now, I can't confirm that. That's something that somebody else is saying about the, basically that is a, the the kind of assum the, the assumption, but it's based on the deduction of what they think those things can hold and then going, well, if they're all full, this is what they're assuming. But I, I disagree. We heard, and I talked about earlier, the number that that guy was saying that, saying that each one of these can hold a thousand or something like, I, I don't think that's accurate. But again, decide for yourselves. What I was saying is based on just the image we showed you and the size of the body versus comparatively to the truck. You know, I don't know. I don't want to guess, but that, that seems like a lot. But either way, regardless of how many they can hold, we don't know how many are inside. And ne why, neither of us were able to confirm that. Refrigerated containers. So I am here to. And somebody in the chat says they don't look like uh, that's Marshall saying they don't look like refrigerated. I said the same thing until it is confirmed on the video when she asks them, as well as the fact that you can see them when the videos they. It, on the second one, that's more clear. You can hear them humming, and then you can see that they're even connected. And I'll, you'll see the videos here. And the guy does say that that's what they're used for. Investigate. So I'm actually standing in front of a dentist building. This is the back side of the edge of it. Yeah, just jump up here. With. Oh, and there's flowers lined up along the outside, and the guy later admits that's because they're paying their respects to, to the body, the people in the in the truck. Police. Tactical police. One, two, so I guess the tactical thing is like you know you, I guess arguably the you know forensics like DNA testing I guess which would make sense but that whole thing creeps me out the DNA overlap. Five, five refrigerated mats and containers right here. So nine to five. There's five there with nine days before this. Now you ask the question. That's what I want to know. Why they build a fence around it? Yeah, good question. Now, of course, people say, well, privacy, respecting the dead. But, you know, it's an odd, it's strange. Because you can't, I mean, you can't see what's inside of them. 
So maybe just to keep, you know, so you don't have to be confronted with it. But I don't know, all the fencing and the control, something about this just does definitely seems off. Here's been the other side. Horizon containers. Can you guys hear it? They're refrigerated. You can't what actually kind of hear need? it right there, but it's much lower than on the other video. But it's you can hear it in the background. It's kind of a loud hum. At the forensic facility that is it behind a fence with flowers and tactical support vehicles. I'm just wondering. Why do you need this? My phone away because I was walking by that cop. He was staring me down that whole time. Um, he was on patrol watching. He kind of unrolled his window and looked at me a little bit, like just wondering if I was gonna go walk in there. But if you want to come down here, just go to that dentist office. You go stand right there. You'll hear the refrigeration. Right. So here's the other one. This is the one she sent me from her friend that did the same thing. Got closer. Now, unfortunately, you can't hear really. I mean, you can. If you want to download this and really turn it up, you can hear them. But it's really faint. But you can't hear, that. and I and I confirm with Shelby that, that that the guy did say this, that these are refrigerated trucks and the bodies were held inside of them. And that the flowers are there for them to pay their respects. Stretcher. Right. And again, remember, we just showed you the picture where they're clearly taking a body bag into it. So let's, this is clearly what these things are for. You can see the cord running right there. Now, again, it's, it's not really up to debate that these are there. They are there. It's been publicly admitted. What I'm interested in now, what I'll get into afterward, is the size, the amount, and where I get the trucks from. So he says, no. you know, you can be trespassed if you, you know, if you come in here and say, oh, no, I didn't know. So basically she says, do you know what these are? And he kind of waffles about it. Now, what he ultimately says is that it's, it's for, you know, because I don't know, like for, for, for the, uh, what, what'd she say? I wrote it down over here. It was like something, uh, or, oh, for like for the feds or for somebody else to use. And she kind of goes, well, what about this? What about that? And he finally goes, well, yeah, you know, for the bodies. Then she asked about the flowers and she goes, yes, yeah, to pay the respects. So her Shelby was saying, it's almost like he didn't want to say it, but then they kind of, you know, or like maybe wanted to admit it or however you want to play that, but ultimately did say that again. It's, that's not the point. I think we can prove that. Anyway, it's, it's super low. So I'll, I'll just stop it there. You guys can play it. So this brings me to the next point. Right. So we have uh, nine trucks here. Again, just if you want to look, really, this is a cop car. You could see the stretcher. Okay. So this very clearly, they're bringing a body into these trucks. So we know what this is. 
And again, on the 13th, this was reported that they were bringing these in. So my question becomes with those those trucks, those the, the what if they have five left, there's four trucks that are gone. So right now, if what we're being told, and this is on the 13th, that they, as of the 13th, this is last month, so a month ago, they're saying that they've only had 3% of the town of Lahaina that have been searched. That was home to 9,000 people. Now, they're, they're not, as far as I know, they're not even, I, I forget what the, the amount that I saw they've been, bottom line is they're not done searching. So if they're not done searching, how do they know to send four trucks away? Which would imply that they know they don't need them or they're full. My gut tells me that it's because they're there's bodies. I mean, I don't know what else that would mean that have been bloated over this time. And that's then what the point becomes to people on the ground. Are they lying about the number? I think that's a really important point because that doesn't even have to tie in with what what caused this or the conspiracy of the smart city. Just the simple reality that their malfeasance and their their lack of concern or the the idea that there is some bigger point that they're just hiding the fact that these people are dead. That's that's a very real thing to consider. Governments lie about this stuff all the time. Wait till we get to East Palestine. Because they're accountable. Or they would be if we figured this stuff out. So the Maui police chief said on August 14th, 13th, that only 3% had been searched. The FBI brought in these mobile morgues to house the final remains of victims. It says relatives of those missing are asked to provide DNA. I think that was it in here. So this brings me to the point about the children in particular. Right. So because here's what's really interesting to me. There's a lot of discrepancy coming directly from locals about (laughs) stupid video about what's going on with the children. Where are all the people? Right. Why aren't we getting answers? Why can't you give us a definitive answer? Even if it's that, well, we don't know. They're just it's very, very. We already seen the videos. The way they're engaging with this conversation is deliberately opaque. It's like they just don't want you to have any answers. And how is that even possible with missing children or thousands of people unaccounted for? But see, that's not what they're saying. Here, let me read this article for you. This is coming from the 9th of September. This is coming from a local saying not one child should be unaccounted for. Now, right off the bat, can overlap this with what we heard in Congress. I mean, any other disaster in any context. How about 9-11, for example? There was, I mean, and, and rightly so, there was an overwhelming focus about digging through the rubble. We have to find out we were, to, we were pulling people out and saving human lives or any situation like that where there's an earthquake. Everyone's digging up and finding people. They won't rest until we're sure. But here we're not even being told what's going on. We're being told, well, they're looking, but you can't come in and look. You can't take pictures. And it's been over a month and we're, spo- and we're supposed to pretend that they're like that. Then we still have children that are unaccounted for, as even that police officer said. And we're not talking about that. We're not going, where could they possibly be? We're not pulling our hair out, going, what happened to these kids? We're just acting like it's no big deal. Here's what it says. Several Maui community members called on the school board to speed up the search for hundreds of students who haven't enrolled since the fires killed at least, this is still what they're saying, at least 115 people. So you got nine refrigerated trucks, or five still, and you're still pretending it's 115 after all this time, and there's so many people still missing. It it doesn't add up to me, unless there's something I'm missing. I'm not saying we know for sure, but it says and leveled more than 2000 structures of acres of land on the island one month ago. It's almost been a month. All hands on deck, says the local. There's a lot of anxiety because students aren't being identified as safe or deceased. It's crazy to me. So what I don't understand is why? Why haven't all the calls been made? It's a very basic question. They're not doing that. They're being super quiet and and, and almost defensive about this topic. 
That to me says accountability or something more. Quote, you need to put yourself in the shoes of those who lost their children. Because some of them are out there going, they don't know where their children are. And we're not being told this. You need to put yourself in the shoes of parents who are who were not home, which was most of them, and had no chance to go save their children. At this point, from what I calculate, remember, the schools were shut down. So, but the parents went to work. And then they evacuated. And most of the, many of the people that were in the cars even evacuating got stuck there. What do you think happened to the children with no cars and no ability to leave? Assuming they weren't even in there playing Xbox, not even paying attention until it was too late. It says, at this point, from what I calculated, approximately a little more than 900 kids are missing. Unaccounted for is the best term. Because that's the accurate term. That is one. Well, I mean, it's really it's semantics, right? Missing is the same thing, really. That is one child too many. No, not one child should be unaccounted for. Hayashi did not say the exact number of students who remain unaccounted for, but the board's own calculations indicate 966 kids are unenrolled. How in the world do you have a thousand kids who are not enrolled in school that nobody can account for and nobody's talking about that? Other than independent media. And don't forget, this is what it originally comes from. That's what I wanted people to see a while ago because there's a lot of people acting like these are it's important to frame it in this context. This stems from August 21st when the Hawaii Department of Education put this out. It's not disputable. Where they're saying there's 2,025 kids who have yet to re-enroll even though they've opened the schools again. So again, my point was, well, maybe they went somewhere else. Maybe there are people that are just like, screw the entire U.S. government system. That's possible. Maybe they went to another island. Maybe they just, you know, all of these are possible. Why they would feel like they need to tell them is, I, I screw them. I wouldn't want to tell them either. So there's a possibility of that, right? But 900 of them, come on, there's something there. Some of them have to have been caught in this fire, unfortunately, right? Very alarming that they're not talking about this. So it says, of the 3,000 students enrolled in the four schools at the start of the new year, they said 782 have re-enrolled in other public schools, 907 have enrolled in a distant learning program, and nearly 345 have enrolled in charter schools, private schools, or have withdrawn. So those are the people that I was just talking about. On September 8th, Hawaii Governor Josh Green in video said on Twitter that the number of people who remain unaccounted for, get this, has dropped to 66. And there are 41 active investigations into those unaccounted for after people filed missing person reports. Oh, okay. So they're not unaccounted for unless they file a missing person report. What happens if their parents died? The point is, it's near impossible to argue as a person in the same conversation is standing there going, we have 900, or rather it was uh, 966 kids who have not re-enrolled in school that we have yet to identify where they are and to tell me 66 people. There's a discrepancy there, clearly. In response to the criticism, officials said staff are trying to reach families of students who haven't enrolled in another school, including voicemails. Oh, man, they're pulling out all the stops, aren't they? Sure glad after a month they've finally go, let's leave some voicemails and see what happens. If they cared about this, this would have been immediate. They would have pulled out every possible thing possible to make the whole point about where are these kids? There's something wrong here. It makes me really mad. I don't even want to go off on it, guys, because it's so obvious to me. Now, Shelby and I recently talked about this. Ongoing cover-up in Maui fires with thousands of children missing. 
We also, I also don't want you to miss this report that it doesn't seem to be reaching enough people. What they're planning to do once they're done searching. It's called soil tack. It's alarming as hell to me. It's a soil, uh, what was the word they used? A soil, not compressor, but uh, basically stops the soil from breaking apart. And they're literally telling you that because of asbestos and, and, and lead, that we need to spray this all over the entirety of Lahaina. Talk about a cover-up, a literal cover-up that will then become like like glue cement over the top of everything. The point is, that's nonsense. First of all, because I'm going to show you next in East Palestine, they don't give an S about any of the things they're telling you they care about because they don't, they're literally ignoring what's happening in East Palestine with way worse problems. And on top of that, this has never been used like this before, as far as I can tell. This has been used in the military. It was designed by the DOD, and it's their nanotechnology. It's, it's their documentation. I went over it in this show. And the reality is it was designed to be used in military settings in places like Afghanistan and Iraq, which is where they first used it, to stop the sand from flying up as their helicopters came down. And guess what? It seems to have amounted to massive issues after the fact, but nobody wants to talk about it because it sucked up even more moisture. And now they're overrun with these massive sandstorms. Now, I can't prove they're connected, but that's something that I thought was a possibility. Either way, the reality is it's not about keeping the area safe. It's not about stopping things from hurting people. It's about making the ground solid so they can invade countries. But yeah, let's spray it over the top of Lahaina after we have no, we know what's happening. This is a crime scene, whether or not it was an accident or not. And yet they're going to spray it over all of this. And not only that, it does not seem safe at all. It is not a water-based glue is what they're saying. It is a copolymer. It says it right in the documentation. And one version of it, when left to break down, the dust becomes flammable. I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming to me how ridiculous this stuff is. But let's, before, just we'll get into East Palestine in one second. It's a, one thing I want to talk about after things like this. But remember that this is coming from the Department of Education about the children missing, and they still don't know where almost a thousand of them are. Now, one of the overall reasons that people talk about the smart city aspect of this that I wanted to make sure you saw was this document that came out before all of this. Now, what's funny, by the way, is I tried to use the Wayback Machine, which there are saved versions of it, to show you the, the one. So this one is the same page, by the way, but it takes you to the new one for September 25th for 2023. When I tried to get the Wayback Machine, for some reason, I have three of them from the 14th of August, the 13th of August, and the 12th, and none of them are loading. Go figure. I'll include them in case you want to look for yourself. But here's what the new page says. Well, actually, let's start with the fact check, which is funny. Then we'll get into what the new page says, and I'll show you why I think it's really the same conversation about smart city, new new technology direction. But first of all, it says no, and this is what I was saying before, no evidence Maui fire wildfires started intentionally to create a smart island. And then down here, their claim is, you know, what did it say down here? Oh, where was it? In any case, that what like they always do that, you know, fake, you know, the verdict, not true. It's like, what do you mean? Not true. If you have no evidence, that means you don't know either way. <laughs> I love how they can always rule in the, the direction of what they like. But as it says here, there is no evidence the fires were started intentionally. But here's what it says. Smart cities were, in fact, one of the topics. And we know that one of the topics discussed at that conference, at this conference, the, but the one that was for 2022. So they really did talk about smart cities in regard to Maui and, ever, and the rest of them, right? But guess what? But it says it's not on the agenda for the new conference in September. So therefore, fake news, right? It's not like they couldn't have seen us talking about it and going, let's just not put that on the agenda. That can't be possible, right? 
But it says a smart island refers to implementing a con- the concept of a smart city across all of Maui. A smart city uses digital technology to make traditional networks and services such as transparent, such as transport, water supply, waste disposal, heating and lighting more efficient. Okay, so taking what they're telling you as a definition of what a smart city would mean, let's ask ourselves if this is talking about that. Pretty simple, right? Because when you hear the smart city, oh, crazy conspiracy theory, but taking their very clear outline, simply using digital technology to make their services more efficient, is that not quite literally what this talks about? Let me show you. Digital government summit for t- to coming up 10 days from now in, in Hawaii. A lot of them overlap with Maui in particular. But first of all, what it says here, note, Misleading social media posts have been circulating, falsely asserting that the Hawaiian Digital Government Summit, which was held in Honolulu each year, is aimed at transforming Maui into the first smart island. These claims are incorrect and do not align with the summit's annual focus. But I'm going to show you, based on what they're literally discussing, that it is exactly the definition of what they're saying it is right there. Just because they don't use the word doesn't mean it's not exactly the same thing. That's usually how this stuff goes. This event, and by the way, I'm not suggesting, therefore, that means it all happened because of this, but I am making sure people realize this is a thing that's happening. The event is designed to facilitate collaboration among public and private sector IT professionals, encouraging the exchange of best practices and innovative solutions to enhance and support the services provided by the constituents they serve. (laughs) Okay, so exactly what they're saying here, but not the same thing, apparently. So, yes, it is those things, but not the conspiracy theory that they're putting forward. That makes no sense. If what you're outlining is exactly what they're telling you is the point of a smart city, it's the same thing. Now, the 2023 summit, oh, that wasn't one of them, but so first of all, Josh Green right there, Hawaii, state of Hawaii. And then going through some of these points, let me see if I can remember exactly where they were. So first one, just IT consolidation of the state of Hawaii. That's pretty clear. Talking about the, the, the technology consolidation. That's obviously the same conversation. And it says including process, potential benefits, current concerns. That wasn't it. Cyber, cybersecurity readiness and response. What What is that if not the 5G technocratic direction for the smart cities and for, I mean, that's what they, if, they, if you outline what they need for their cybersecurity today, it would be smart city. That's what it is, regardless of whether they write that down. Now let's just remove the term smart city. We're just talking about the rapid, the steps in the direction of more technological advancements for the benefit of the people, they say. That's all we're talking about. It's the same thing. I think that the title says enough right there in itself. The future of work. Down here, let's see, real talk about management. It's saying making technology more accessible. That's pretty much exactly what the definition of the fact check is talking about. And saying, uh, let's see. Explain IT to people that are not tech savvy. Under bits and bytes, a modernization journey, it's saying they will, see if I can rapidly look through it. Yeah, by promoting business process re-engineering that meet department requirements, adding modern business capabilities and adopting leading edge computing technologies. It's the same damn thing, guys. That's, it's all the same thing. You look through every one of these points, it's the same kind of direction. I mean, you get the point. I, it's, it's the same thing. In a fast-changing world with soaring pressures of customer-centric, it's, you know, talking about smartphones and smart directions. It's all right in there. In any case, my point is to show you, and I did have a highlighted, but I don't want to keep skimming through it, that these things today, now, I, my point was in going back to the old one, was to show you that they were, in fact, literally talking about smart cities in that document that now won't come up. But now they weirdly took it off their schedule and they're going, see, fact check, fake news. <laughs> Simple as that. 
consider that this might in fact have some overlap. Either way, guys, realize that whether or not it's connected, these aren't things that are in your best interest. They may make you have some conveniences here and there, but it will end up being something that is more controlling of your life. That's what they're turning it into. That's basically what they're telling you if you really read what they're saying, and they just simply argue that that control over your life will make things better for everybody. Not even true. Makes things better for them. But let's talk about East Palestine. In the same context, the same kind of conversation, except the difference is they're now saying, asbestos and lead, so we need to cement the ground, literally glue over the top of Maui, or Hawaii, or excuse me, Lahaina. But in East Palestine, it's quite a different experience, where seven months later, the EPA is suddenly going, wait a minute, maybe there's a problem. Maybe we need to reevaluate how far this actually went. My God, maybe we need to evaluate whether our shipments of the soil are causing a problem. I'm literally not making this up. You know, the very, the very things we've been screaming about and getting censored for and getting laughed about from people in the car, oh, fake news, conspiracy theorists, exactly this conversation. The cleanup, the Clean Harbor's Waste Disposal, Ohio scandal. The fact that they were shipping this stuff without testing or... Shipping this stuff across state lines with toxic material full of PFAS and dioxins and vinyl chloride and everything else to places that quite literally, provably, according to their own statements on the phone with me, not able to deal with those things. That is literally guaranteeing that not only every path along that way, but where you put it will continue to have those same problems, especially when they bury it in the ground like they, most of them are doing. But let's read this first. EPA, and by the way, shout out to News Nation, who, I'm, you know, they're still a corporate platform, but they are continuing to cover this, as many people aren't. EPA announces new work plan for East Palestine seven months later. EPA has, now I'm going to argue that the only reason this is even happening now is because they've already effectively done what they needed to do, whatever that means. They, they are, my opinion is the company, Norfolk Southern, and the governments, they know they got away with this. It's done. So now they're, in, they're acting accordingly, acting like what they're doing, if you even get something from them, is, is your benefit. We're, how, you should be thanking us for giving you something. That's how the Norfolk Southern is engaging with people right now, because no one cares about this other than people like us. There's no corporate news coverage. No one's talking about this. No one's even, this is even on the map for people that are not in the independent media. And this is one of the largest environmental disasters I've ever seen in my life. That is so much bigger than even people in the independent media are realizing. The EPA has refused to test individual residences. Think about that. The Environmental Protection Agency, who is telling you everything is fine, is literally refusing to test their homes while telling them if we don't test it, we don't know, and then refusing to test it. Real story. Independent testing revealed ethylhexyl acrylate, vinyl chloride, and dioxins. In the homes, they refuse to test. Right now. I mean, like, this week. Resident. We can't live here anymore. It's not safe, says a woman with four generations in East Palestine who doesn't know what to do. September 13th. Seven months later, the EPA announced a new work plan, which for the first time in seven months broadens the scope of possible contamination. Oh, glad they're listening. Yeah. Seven months later. I wonder if now they can do anything about it or now it's too late. So now they'll pretend they care. That's, is that literally what we said would happen? I mean, like, verbatim. That once they spread everything out and they, rat, they ship it all over the place, now there's no legal way you can prove that what they did is, their, is, is their, what's happening there is their fault. 
You overlap it with the broad dioxin background problem. You spread it across state lines and they go, oh, why don't we know that's because of us? There's already a problem there. It's done, guys. They won in this discussion. And it makes me sick. Broaden the scope of the contamination. Good thing you did it seven months later because you can keep people safe, EPA. Good job. The plan outlines a need to evaluate potential background contaminant sources. So here's the big point about this. This is not because we got lucky, Scott Adams. It's not because we guessed in the right direction. We had all the documentation and all the source material and five, six, seven independent outlet groups, including Texas A&M, that came and tested and said it was dangerous and said that they were still getting hurt and said that this was going larger than they said. And nobody cared. It wasn't an opinion. It was fact. So seven months later that they suddenly go, oh, look at, look at what we discovered. It's ridiculous. One, it's probably not going to have any effect on the long-term problems after they just live with this for seven months. And on top of that, Norfolk Southern is completely scot-free. In a statement to News Nation, the EPA called the work plan a double check to ensure that contamination did not spread. As a result of the activity. Oh, they don't care about the people of East Palestine. This is about pretending they care about if this went further than that. Like we absolutely, without question, know that it did within a week after this. But now they're going, let's double check. This is the same government agency that is pretending they care about Lahaina. The same government agency that doesn't care about Flint, Michigan. The same agency that only just moments ago was like, oh my gosh, PFAS in your water. Even though you could have proven this 20 years ago. Or how about they don't even still care about the obvious and alarming dioxin contamination across this country? You know why? Because they can't do anything about it. How are you going to stand up and say, every single one of you have been suffering from the cancers because of what we allowed to happen, and that it's a hundred times the level it's supposed to be in every place in this country? But yeah, but we did our job though. Give us more money. You can't say that. So they ignore it. That's why they don't care about dioxins, in my opinion. It's over the top. The CNN article from 1995, where they literally discuss how it's 100 times the level in the food you're eating from, from McDonald's. Never said a word after that. Says, but this is what residents have been saying all along. And anybody with, with a brain and anybody looking at the information that the contamination spread. The proof is in community members that are sick and those same residents continue to grow, face growing challenges post the derailment. Seven months later, people are still sick and they're still lying about this. This, I mean, this has to be one of the biggest stories I've ever seen. And it just, people don't even care about this. Hillary Flint, who lives four miles. Remember, the, this one mile was what they did. One mile. She lives four miles from the derailment site. Four times the, le, the, the distance they said was the danger area. She said her family evacuated the very night this happened. But when they returned the next day, and when they were told it was safe, remember, it only took opening the front door for the strong smell of chemicals to take over inside their home. The scent was so strong that Flint, the, the, Hillary Flint invited experts from Wayne State University. Add this to the list. I didn't know they went there. So another university came to test her soil and her inside her home. Guess what they found? Can you possibly guess? That ended up being the proof that inside my home was affected. The experts from Wayne State University discovered ethyl acrylate, acrylate, excuse me, a known carcinogen, vinyl chloride, inside her home, four miles away. 
So let's not pretend like even the vinyl chloride and the immediate risk was not way further than that. Both chemicals were being transported on the train at the time of the derailment. They also found dioxins, which they add some call the fentanyl of chemicals. It's the worst thing we know of. And we're not talking about the other ones. We're talking about TCDD. But the EPA told Flint it couldn't determine whether her property was safe or not. So who cares what the other experts are saying? Who cares about all of the studies and all the... Who cares if half of our team gets sick when we go there? Who cares? We just can't tell for sure. Sound familiar? Oh, look at Bayer's reports. Oh, we don't know for sure. Keep giving them until we know for sure. That's going to come up today too. That's the opposite of safe. That is doing things that might be dangerous until you prove that they're dangerous. That's the exact opposite of safety or caution. So she's, they're going, well, we don't know. We can't tell. So nothing's happening. That is a captured agency. Bottom line, she says, I can't state that I that a property is below. Oh, this is what the EPA wrote in an email. Excuse me. EPA wrote, the, EPA wrote this in an email to her. Bottom line, I can't state that a property is below a health safety threshold unless enough data is collected on a single property, along with a comprehensive risk, comprehensive risk assessment to make a determination like this. Okay, well, then that's simple enough. Come on out and test it then, right? The statement continued, I can state that the data collected, reported, that they do have, falls within levels expected. You see the lie? This is what I'm trying to tell you. That means, well, we already know there's a dangerous level of dioxins and it falls within a level of danger. But it's the level we know is there, but we're not going to say that. We're just going to say that that's not because of this problem. You're already at risk anyway, so shut up. But guess what? They said they would not test her property. So you say, we can't determine it unless we come test your property. And you say, okay, come test my property. And they go, no, we're not going to do that. Okay, so you've set this up to where you are, that no matter what we do, we're not going to win. Because you refuse to test it, but you can't tell unless you test it. So there you go. Game over. So who do we go to? Do you go to the White House? No, they don't care. It's gone. This is my point, guys. Now, I'm not trying to get lose. We can make a difference. But in this discussion, they already won. The point is not to let this happen again. They, quote, they keep saying that none of the properties are actually damaged. So look, think about this. How can the EPA say those properties aren't damaged, but then when asked by the property owner, they go, well, we don't know because we haven't tested. But you're still happily telling everybody else that they're not damaged, but you don't know that. And then when you ask the test to find out, you go, no, we're not going to. Then turn around and say, but they're not damaged, though. That's simple corruption. That's blatant dishonesty. It says you don't know that because you didn't even come out and test, she says. So, she says, along with other East Palestine residents, they were left to, oh, it says her along with other residents were left to fight for themselves, to fight for independent testing. But even when they got that, the EPA said, well, the testing wasn't done properly. Then come out and do it yourself. Nope, sorry, won't do that. But you're not damaged, though. You're not sick. Shut up. Go back to sleep. This is egregious corruption. This is them knowing they can get away with it and not caring. That's what this looks like to me. Photos as recent as last week revealed unexplained bruising on her arms, around her eyes, and she has experienced respiratory issues and mysterious rashes ever since the derailment. But she's crazy, right? It's all anxiety, says the EPA. It really makes me, this gives me a physical reaction. This story drives me crazy. She made the decision to leave her home, which has been in her family for four generations, and move out of the state. 
can't sell it either because no one wants it. At some point, I'm sure they're going to offer pennies on the dollar for her own home and then say that that's fair. Quote, it's tough, she says. I'm the fourth generation to live in that house. My great-grandmother built that house. Right after the derailment, another person, her name is DeSanzo, took her young children and temporarily left, temporarily left the area. She asked for permanent relocation, right? Because Norfolk Southern was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will take care of you. Which, by the way, has happened with, I don't know, anybody that's gotten anything they feel is enough from Norfolk Southern. Anybody. And I've looked. I mean, it's un- unbelievable. The, the, the statements you hear that on some of these I can't confirm, but that you hear from statements that Norfolk Southern is just blatantly saying no, like flat out no. We won't help you because that doesn't qualify or we don't believe you're telling the truth or we can't, there's no, we need a, a medical report to prove that you're actually sick. That is going out of your way to not help people. But guess what? She asked for permanent relocation because her house, is, her, they're making her sick. They said, no, sorry, not going to happen. Now her and her family have to, no choice but to return to a place that is making them sick. This is what's like to live in a place. So you're, you don't have enough money to go anywhere else. They're not giving you anything. So you have to go home and live in a place that you know is going to give you cancer, that it's going to make you vomit every day and get rashes on your face. But you know what? You're being told you're lying about it. Quote, Norfolk Southern supervisor keeps telling me, get this, guys, this gravy train is going to be leaving. That is a Norfolk Southern supervisor. You know, the company responsible for this. Who is acting like they're doing you a favor. The gravy train. Is what you call it. Like you believe that you're like, I can't even make sense of that. Unless you realize the bigger picture that these people know that they're going to get away with this. The gravy train. That is, that is a villain right there. Independent tests conducted at DeSanzo's home confirm the presence of dioxins over and over and over. Anybody is finding this right now with any independent testing and nothing is happening. Not even some soil tack to spray over the top of all. Nope, nothing. They just act like it's not happening. Again, the EPA refuses to test at her home. I wonder why. Quote, we can't live here anymore. It's not safe. They have not cleaned things up properly. They refuse to test people's homes. They refuse to test my children. But we're there for you, right? Quote, I'm, I want testing done on my house, my home. You want me to stay in this town? Test my home. Test my children. Seven months since the disaster, residents say the problems they face are only growing. I just don't even understand this. This is, this is the kind of thing that makes me lose hope for the future. I'm not doing that. Those are those moments where you have those, mo- those low moments. Trust me, I know there are reasons to be hopeful right now. But this kind of story, my God. What does somebody have to do, they say, before we get help? Does my one-year-old son have to fall over and die before somebody will actually listen to me and that there is something wrong here? That's DeSanzo telling you that as they're being forced to move back to a place that they know will make them sick. Residents said they find it mind-blowing that this is the way the U.S. government responds to situations like this. And then we ask why people are waking up. This is everywhere. It's not Biden. It's not Trump. It's the U.S. government that's always been the U.S. government. Or any government, for that matter. 
Make sure you read up on this stuff, guys. If you want to search for more of this and not some partisan angle on the story, but the real picture of what they're doing to all of us, left or right, here's a couple of articles for you. Again, the idea that I've proven the kind of journalism that should be breaking news around the world if this was actually a fair, you know, there was a, a not a controlled flow of information that you can prove on the record that the place they're shipping stuff to does not have the ability to deal with the things we've proven are in it. You know, minor stuff compared to some false breaking story out there, right? Or the fact that we can say on the record that they already ruled that what they did with the burn was unnecessary and that Norfolk Southern omitted the necessary information to the fire chief to make the right decision. You know, no big deal. Totally not a criminal organization or anything. I mean, I just, it's mind-blowing. Now, one other point that I want to just quickly go through. I saw this being reported. This is from yesterday. Train, a train car carrying toxic perchloric acid explodes in Nebraska rail yard. Evacuation order issued for four-mile radius as huge plume of smoke fills sky above North Platte. Now, I this is a crazy story because... Perchloric acid is a big deal. I mean, it's apparently a super, it's, it's, uh, I'll show you what it says in here. It's more dangerous than some of these acids we know of. And it's super volatile, but it seems like, again, my point in all this stuff is like, I don't even know how we can engage with this stuff anymore without, how do we know? If they're going to lie wholesale about something that obvious, you know, when they say that, okay, it's been contained and the, and the problem's over, it's like, well, how do we know? Daily Mail is just reporting what they're being told. There's no real journalism in the corporate media anymore. They just report what they're told. Now, I think we've proven this a hundred times over. But a train carrying toxic perchloric acid has exploded in Nebraska rail yard, prompting the evacuation. The incident happened on Union Pacific Railroad tracks. And apparently, it didn't even derail the train. But it's saying the fire department announced that they would order those living in the area to evacuate due to the toxic smoke. Explosion at the railroad, the rail yard, at 12.10 p.m. The fire was extinguished later Thursday evening. So it seems to have been put out pretty quickly. I mean, in, in the context of these, some of these larger events. But it says, in a later update, they announced they would be asking more homes prepared to evacuate. That's interesting. So that gives me the inclination there might some, be something bigger they're not telling you if they put it out already, but they're going, there's a problem, right? But it says the majority of the evacuation zone so far ha- appears to have been mostly farmland. Well, big surprise. More farmland areas being attacked or, you know, however you want to look at that. I didn't even mean it like that when I say that. I just... Could be, certainly could be a direct attack by our government or some other government, but just being, you know, focused on. The last update from the emergency management in Nebraska said that the incident can, it was now contained, but they're monitoring. In a statement by Daily Mail to Daily Mail, the Union Railroad said that the explosion occurred inside a container, which resulted in several rail cars catching fire. The rail car did not do, you know, here's an example of something like, so how much you want to bet the damage done by the exploding car is going to be I mean, nothing compared to the scale that we see happening in East Palestine. You know why? Because, first of all, as we just told you, the court found, according to the documents and according to the experts that he didn't tell the fire chief about, his experts that told him, Alan Shaw, that it wasn't going to explode because it was treated by chloride, which nobody talks about. In this discussion, oh, my point was that, you know, that they dumped it, burned it, and caused all of that. That fallout is catastrophic. So even if it was going to explode, my point is that it would have been a minimal amount of damage compared to what they then created. Probably, I mean, it could just be for the ability to get that train up and running again. Or my gut tells me there was something else there that they didn't want us to know about. That's why nobody talked about it for 10 days and they burned it, dumped it, ran trails over the top of it, and then, then dug it back up again. They were desperate to get that train out of there. 
I think there was something else involved personally, but it says that the hazardous, uh, oh, yeah, they're saying it's perchloric acid. And saying here, according to Robinson, he saw two smoke plumes rising from the blast. This is interesting. One was black, one was orange. So that tells me right there that at least more than one thing was burning. So that's not what they're saying. Again, I mean, if you're in Nebraska, in, the, in specifically uh, North Platte or Plate, or however you say that, I would be worried. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I just don't believe what people are saying in all this. Just be cautious. And this, look, I'm just telling you what I would do. If I was there, if, you were, if you're able to, I would probably go try to stay somewhere else. Same thing we said to East Palestine, and look how right that turned out to be. Which sucks, though, because I know not everybody can afford that. Not even people aren't even capable of these things today. It's because of what they're doing to us. Quote, there's something that was burning that I don't want to, I want no part of smelling what it was. Something bad going on. Now, that could just be the acid they're talking about. It comes after a cargo train derailed earlier this year. Here's the part I wanted you to see. This whole story, they say, comes after a cargo train derailed earlier this year in Ohio, causing 50 cars to spill hazardous chemicals and cause a huge fire. I mean, think about this. This is East Palestine. So that is how you sum this story up going forward. Not that they dumped these things and chose to burn them, even though it turns out it was unnecessary, which is why there's a problem. No, we're going to forever go forward saying accident caused cars to spill. You see how this ends up going forward? That's such blatant corruption that they're towing a line, even though they know that's not true, because the narrative has been set. Norfolk Southern EPA and the government have already set the tone. We're going to forget about it. That's what they want. Mind blowing. Now, by the way, if you want to know more about perchloric acid, I'll include this so you can read about it. Quite frankly, based on what it looks like, it seems like it's a danger, but that it's not going to be something like East Palestine. But my point, how do we even tell these days with what they lie about? I don't know. Now, let's talk about, again, more experts and lies about what we're supposed to do next in regard to COVID-19 and the illusion they're in and the injections they're forcing on everybody. Well, we just talked about the XBB15 dangerous injection. As I said here, the new XBB15 COVID injection has all the same issues as the previous dangerous shots with less data. Now, I'm going to go even deeper on that today because it's important that we understand that. Now, even though they're going to say 10 mice versus five, or some say 20, it's weird how there's all these discrepancies, even on people reporting on it, but that ultimately, it doesn't matter if you had 100 mice. There's no human data. And Mandy Cohen just blatantly lied about that. Apparently, Dr. Jaw is doing the same thing, just lying wholesale about what this is. Maybe they don't know. It's even more alarming to me. But that you're inferring data for everything else from things that we know are dangerous. And even in the studies they did, the Moderna, they literally gave the bivalent shot as the placebo. Because why? Well, we proved it was safe, didn't we? You know, other than all of peer-reviewed science and that it being a net harm. But, you know, we proved it was safe because that's the narrative. So we're going to use the safe and effective thing as the placebo. It's a, I mean, even if you believe it's safe, there's still side effects. So that's why you use a saline solution so you can say baseline compared to problem. But nope, they use something they know will make the problems look like something less. And it only will blow your mind when we get into this further. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So watch this. I do think this is a pretty good wrap of of some of the most important information around why this is dangerous we also just talked about yesterday how the cd how the COVID illusion and prep act have cemented big pharma indemnity which now applies to seemingly everything under the sun because they just argue everything somehow connects back to making covid's deal uh their engagement with covid more problematic which includes if covid is somehow being a burden on the system therefore anything under i mean it's it's 
we went over watch the show. It is unbelievable the way that they broaden this out to just everything, including all of these new injections, even though we're not in an emergency. And even though we've got approved alternatives and even though we've got other things they can use, all of which invalidate these EUAs or even just the fact they're standing on the community approval that has never been given out and acting like they've updated that. And now it's approved already. It's just, it's just such blatant criminal activity. But on that note, let's talk about a couple things first. I just had to reiterate this over and over because I just can't get past how either completely ignorant these people are or completely corrupt or both. Guess what, tweeps, he says, Jerome Adams. I just got my updated and he is the, uh, what was he again? What current, uh, I think he was the, well, of course, Purdue, Purdue Health Equity Director. <laughs> Ridiculous. Former IN Health Commissioner and 20th U.S. Surgeon General. Surgeon General. I just got my updated updated COVID vaccine that so I mean I'm assuming that means the new XBB on the 14th even though from my experience yesterday nobody seemed to have it so maybe he's lying about that who knows special shout out and thanks to the pharmacy student who administered it talk to your health provider to get one unbelievable but here's the main point also got my flu shot at the same time CDC says that's okay to do so might as well take care I just can't believe they keep doing this so I did the same thing I did to Mandy Cohen. I said, that statement was irresponsible, if not willfully dangerous in 2022. And that's just because I put this tweet out in 2022 right here, saying that they are not tested alongside each other. So how can you, how can you offer it? And I said, even more so now. You know as well as I, or maybe you don't, yikes, that these jabs were never tested alongside each other, still aren't. You ignore the obvious prenatal deaths. And guess what? After we did this, he, he blocked comments. Isn't that funny? What's interesting is it looks like, let me see this one. Yeah, this that's strange. So apparently this one that I responded to, you can respond to. I didn't know you could do that. So look at this. You can't respond to this one. And then you can't respond to my tweet. <laughs> How did he do that? That's That's pretty alarming. Or this one. But weirdly enough, you can respond to the middle one. That's interesting, actually. Are you able to, like, personalize how you stop? Like, so he clearly got in here after this because I responded there and stopped responses. So he either knows he's lying or realized he looks really stupid. So maybe he'll delete it. That's why I actually put it in the Wayback Machine, just in case. So if he deletes it, we're going to make fun of him. And so he knows he's wrong and doesn't say anything. But just so you see this, guys, it's in every single document. It's why this is fuzzy. That's so stupid for Twitter. God darn it, man. 2023 from the bivalent and every other shot before very clearly they were not tested alongside each other then you have the examples of the new community version which is about the xpb all the documents are there no interactions have been performed with other vaccines have not been studied or the one directly from the fact sheet which says data have not been submitted to the FDA because it hasn't been done which i just showed you on the administration of vaccines at the same time as the COVID vaccine Every one of these. Here's the fact sheet. It's the one from 2023, 2024. That's the new one. So you have four different documents, or three in this case, and all of the old ones as well, all saying we haven't tested it. And here is this absolute clown saying, do it because it's safe. We're in a really bad way, man. People need to understand how alarming this is and how clear this is. Oh, and I just said this person said, asking to clarify, and I just said this so people know, applies, this point, applies to all available COVID injections. None have been tested alongside other injections, yet 
all of the health officials tell you it's safe to get him at the same time. That is a huge scandal, but in a, a lot, along with everything else. Oh, that's weird. So I put it in the Wayback Machine, and now look at what look at what it does. I'm telling you, guys, this Wayback Machine version has been compromised. I'm telling you. God, that's crazy. Well, I'll leave that there just in case. Oh, uh, I don't think I need that for any reason. So anyway, just if you want those documents, they're right here. See right in front of you. Data has not been submitted on the administration of COVID vaccines at the same time as other vaccines. Here's this one. No interaction studies have been performed. Right? And then pregnancy, for that matter. Same thing. But they say no increased... Oh, where was it? While data on pregnancy outcomes following vaccination during the first trimester are presently limited. God, that they haven't been done. God, these people are just absolute criminals. Any case, it's all the same information. Just so you can see at the top, this is the same thing here. XBB15, that's what we're talking about. Oh, and actually, that, that reminds me. I have it right here so you can see it. Look at what it says right here on interchangeability. I find this hilarious because of the point, well, remember the mix and match argument they still pretend you can do? Well, it says the pri- this is and on top of that, it says the primary course may consist of either community, community original. So right there, they're telling you there's a differentiation now between what they bl- they say is community, even though community is the name they pretend is the approved version, even though now community original is apparently the one that they pretend was approved first, which has never been made or sold for that matter, or BA45, or the new community. Oh, wait a minute. Community original. Or community, they have three things here. Community, community original, or community at Comicron XBB15. But what they're, what they're literally telling you is literally telling you that a combination of these may be used as your primary course. How does that make sense? If they pulled these off the shelves, but they're going to sell them privately like the Walgreens lady told us, you can go in there and get two BA1 shots and act like you've met your requirement. How does that make sense if they're the ones telling you they don't make sense anymore? <laughs> I mean, that's this is just blatant profiteering at the very least. Sure, take whatever one you want, even though we know it's not going to make a difference and they're all going to hurt you. Just staggering. Dr. Marty McCary points out some really important things about the lack of evidence, which I just want to make this as clear as possible. We went over this yesterday, but as he writes in this article, and just so you understand, I see Marty McCary as one of these people that are giving you a lot of information that is accurate, but at the same time, in, in, in important ways, cementing the problem. And I'll show you what I mean. There's a lot of them out there, even though he kind of frames himself as the one pointing those people out. He's still kind of the one that goes, well, it may be good for some people. It's like, no, we got to be past that. FDA should have rejected these data. I agree with that. Pfizer's new vaccine was approved based on 10 mice. So eight mice to 10 mice. That's better, guys. It's more research. No, it's not. No human data at all. Moderna's new vax was tested in 50 people, tracked for just two weeks, one of which had a serious adverse event, needed medical attention. So there you go, guys. One in 50 people are going to the hospital to take the vaccine. Safe and effective, though, right? That's how you break that data down. They chose to only do 50. One person gets sick to the hospital. That's one in 50. They're not going to tell you that, though. There's no doubt. That's his point. Provided no details. If we had a real FDA, that would have been a big deal. What do you mean no details? Give us the information. You can't hide what happened. But nobody cares. The FDA is captured. So they just are quiet about it. 
Here's what he writes. The real data behind the new COVID vaccines in the White House is that the White House is pushing. What if I told you one in 50 people who took the new medication had a medically attended adverse event and the manufacturer refused to disclose what exactly the complication was? Think about that. Would you take it? Is any of the media telling you that? And what if the theoretical benefit was only transient, lasting about three months, after which your susceptibility goes back to baseline? Or let's not even include the fact that whether or not that's even accurate, because all we're doing is saying antibody production, therefore it affects, but that they, they tell you themselves, we don't know the correlative protection. We just assume that antibodies being produced for the thing we think we're fighting means protection, but they've admitted more than once. They don't know that. But on top of any of that, that's just simply to argue that we don't even know if it's actually efficacious. But all of the mountain of very serious side effects make that meaningless anyway for anybody. Net harm. And what if we told you the FDA cleared it without any human outcomes data and the European regulators are not universally recommending it as the CDC it currently is? Doesn't that matter to people? What, that's what we know about the new COVID vaccine injection the Biden administration is firmly recommending for every American six months and up. To push The push is so hard that former White House COVID coordinator Dr. Ja and the CDC head Mandy Cohen are making unsupported claims, says Johns Hopkins doctor Johnny McCary. The new vaccine reduces hospitalization, they claim, and long COVID and the likelihood you'll spread it. None of those things are supported by the science. And in fact, every one of those are provably false. None of those claims, he says, have a shred of scientific support. How This, this is where we are. They are either that desperate, which I kind of think is the case, or they just know they can get away with it. In fact, it says, if the manufacturer said that, the if Pfizer came out and said what they're saying. They could be fined for making false marketing claims beyond an FDA-approved indi indication because the FDA is not approving them for those indications. It's just, they're, they're such hypocrites. Pfizer's version approved this week as well also has zero efficacy data and has not been tested on humans at all. How did we ever make sense of that? We only have data about antibody production from 10 mice. That's my point. And how do we even know the production of antibodies translates into actual efficacy? We don't. That's the important part about this. We just simply don't know that. And they've made that clear more than once. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant. But as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. <laughs> I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Thank you. That was a quick answer. Very clear. Okay. I mean, that's what they're talking about. That's from Pfizer saying that there is no... So we know it proves antibodies, but we don't know what that translates to. We just assume, based on look, it saved everybody, so we know. That's the lie, actually. No, it didn't save everybody. They, well, it's given millions of people, and we would have been worse. None of those things are provable. It's a lie. Now, it says the FDA or Moderna, frankly, it's hard to tell the difference, should disclose what happened to the patient who took the new vaccine and had a complication that required medical attention, right? The public has a right to know. The last time the Biden administration approved and recommended a novel COVID bivalent booster with no human data, remember, it was an epic fail. Hear that. 
Because that's what I've been saying, because that's what it was. It did not, like, not even in the context of what they're claiming. That's why they pulled it off the shelf rapidly. This was dangerous, more so than others, it seems. Net harm. You were literally hurting people, and that's why they were like, quick, quick, get back to the monovalent. And either way, the point is, it's the platform, in, in, by and large, it seems, but all the rest of these things are dangerous. But we have a precedent already. They've already done this. The platform itself, Fauci admitted, was failing, but nobody cares. Only 17% took it, he claims. I hear 17 to 20. It's a weird out the different stats for people, but the point is generally a small percentage of the overall people that took the first ones actually took those ones, even though they told them they should. That's the real majority. Not foreseeing such weak public support for the booster last year, the Biden administration had prepaid pharma $4.9 billion for 171 doses, many of which went in the trash. You paid for that. Again, why would they have paid for them before they were approved? The same thing happened this time. They were shipping these things out the day they made them approved. They already had them made and they already had them paid for. Are you really going to pretend that they were that the FDA was going to say, no, sorry, we don't, we don't approve it. I don't even think that's on the table. Two weeks ago, the Biden administration upped its orders for the pediatric version of the new COVID vaccines. You know, the one that's emergency use authorized with no emergency. And every reason to disqualify that. From 14.5 million doses at $1.3 billion to 20 million doses at $1.7 billion, which is more than four times as many pediatric doses that were used last time. Four times last year, anyway. There clearly, according to Dr. Makari, seems to be a special push this time to give it to children. That scares me. The same group European regulators are actually not supporting. It just blows me away how you can have these contradictions or you can have something given to people on a regular basis in this country that's banned in every other country. And we act like that doesn't matter. Or the fact that the entire European regulatory agencies are saying that's not okay for children and you're focusing on children. What does that tell you? Dr. Paul Offit, a vaccine mandate supporter, an FDA advisor from University of Pennsylvania, told The Atlantic this week that he's not going to take the new vaccine. Even he isn't. He didn't take the bivalent last fall, despite being 72. While he disagreed with Jaw on the booster, he recently confessed, quote, yes, he was wrong. But you know, you can't really say that exactly. And there it is. The problem with everything. That is Mr. Offit towing lines all over the place for things he knows are dangerous. Why? Well, because, you know, you, you can't say that exactly. You're damn right you can say that. It's called the truth. It's called having integrity. And as even John says, yeah, yes, you can. <laughs> or uh, uh, Martin. Or what is it again? Marty McCary. Obviously, yes, of course you can. The fact that you would think you can't tell people the truth about something that's dangerous for them is the entire problem. America is tired of political apologists as medical experts. They want the truth. Pfizer, and guys, be ready for some kind of bait and switch that makes you think that's what you get next. And it's the same old game in a different hat. Pfizer made $100 billion during the pandemic. It can afford to fund a randomized trial to demonstrate to the American people the boosters affected, but they didn't do that. That's, a sci- that, this, that's the scientific process, he says. You know, testing first and then using. This, its trial of just 50 people from Moderna began four months ago and oddly only reported 14-day side effects. Guys, these people are knowingly lying to you. They're knowingly setting this up so you don't see the problem. Why didn't it enroll more people? It had the time. Why didn't it report 
three-month side effectiveness or do a proper trial. We know why, guys, because it would show you the problem. Conducting a placebo-controlled trial in people during this time would not only yield useful information, useful information, it would enable further study of those subjects three to six months from now when a winter surge may occur. But they don't want to. Perhaps Pfizer and Moderna knew the FDA process was greased for them. I think we all know that. And they didn't have to do any of it. Eight mice to ten. It's time for the FDA to, and my point before, even if it's ten mice, you're inferring from before. So eight mice from before was even better data than it is now, and none of them are enough. It's time for the FDA to resume its role as a regulator, he says, and not marketing department for Pfizer Moderna. But I, I don't agree with that. So my point is with this, and this is what I mean with people like Marty McCary. Maybe he's being honest. Maybe he believes that. But sometimes I worry that people like this get inserted at the right time to make you think they're the one that's going to guide you through it all. And all they do is go, it's time for them to resume their role the right way. Oh, so let's make sure the corrupt people just do a better job. No, thank you. These people, the FDA is broken. Our government is broken. Our system is broken. There's no rebuilding this through voting harder. There's no rebuilding this through going, FDA, do your job better. It's not how this works. These things are broken. They're so corrupted, they're crumbling at the space. We need something different. Now, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but what I know is simply just using the same broken system to fix the same broken FDA is not going to work. So that is a, is, a, is a it's a bait and switch, in my opinion. It is possible a new booster, he says, may help downgrade the severity. No, nope, I disagree entirely for a high risk population, but that's all the more reason for a proper clinical trial. Yes, I agree with the second part. There is no benefit to these things for anybody with all of the negative side effects that come on top of everything else. And then on top of that, I don't think it even has a positive benefit. That's my opinion. But you cannot pretend there's a benefit to anybody when you can prove one in 35 myocarditis. That alone stops this. You're killing people. And the idea that you can give it to somebody, and on top of that, what, you're going to give it to somebody who is at high risk and then destroy their immune system, which is what this thing does? These things are deadly by every definition of the word. It's also worth noting the CDC's new recommendation ignores natural immunity because they're honest, right? Which means the schools will do the same. They don't care. We're in, we're in phase whatever it is, and they're still pretending natural immunity doesn't make sense, even though every major study has found that it's durable, lasting, and robust and continues to make antibodies to variants of concern. So it says if a college student had COVID a few months ago, the CDC literally still wants them to get a new shot today, guys. But the correct scientific answer is the risks are expected to outweigh the benefits, says Johns Hopkins doctor. Because that's the truth. In any sense, by the way. But what he's saying is that they already got sick. They already have antibodies. So you're giving them something that's going to make it worse, which is what we keep telling you for both reasons. And you'll see him explain. Supporters of pushing the novel COVID booster point to the annual flu shot approval process. They keep saying that, which doesn't require a trial, which, by the way, is crazy. We should require a randomized trial every time. But either way, as he points out, they're not the same thing. It's apples and oranges or whatever. It's, it's apples and, and dinosaurs. I mean, we're talking about an entirely mRNA gene therapies are not even remotely close to the kind of thing, which, by the way, traditional vaccine stuff scares me too. But they're not the same thing, guys. So you can't just pretend like we make one makes sense or comparing them makes sense. COVID vaccines have higher complication rates, he says, including severe and life-threatening cardiac reactions. That's, that's the tip of the iceberg. Flu shots have a 50-plus year safety record. I mean, I disagree with that. We've been lied to about all this stuff. Regardless, they're still not the same thing. 
And he's saying, oh, obviously, COVID vaccines are associated with a really high rate of, of issues. A major study found one in 50, 556 COVID recipients are getting serious adverse events, death, hospitalization, serious disability. One in 556. The study's right there. It's a peer-reviewed study. But don't trust the science, though, right? That's the new mantra. Don't trust the science. Listen to Mandy Cohen. And for young people, the incident of myocarditis is six to 28 times higher after the vaccine than after the infection, which, by the way, we already showed you doesn't actually happen according to the largest study we can find, which, you know, that's the study. It could decide for yourselves. And it says, according to this JAMA study, peer reviewed, that even if you want to pretend it causes after the infection, it's six to 28 times higher after the injection. Everything's been hiding this. That's one of the reasons a study that we and several national colleagues published last year found that college booster mandates appear to have resulted in a net public health harm. It's there, there. Finally, at a public and molecular level, some scientists are concerned about what is called immune imprinting and additional ways multiple booster shots can weaken the immune system. It's not just immune imprinting, guys. These things seem to directly attack your immune system. Sort of like the reverse HIV concept we've talked about, or VADES, or any of the number of things. Sounds like a weapon to me. A study published last year in the journal Science described a reduced immune response among people infected who then received the injection. So understand, on top of the reality that these things directly affect your immune system, no matter what you've done before, that is what I keep telling people. This argument they've always made that it's better, it enhances your immunity, is directly contradictory to the peer-reviewed science. Multiple studies have found that it's the antibody-dependent enhancement point. That you get, you take the injection, then you get bump up against whatever's out there, and it's exponentially worse. If public health officials get their way today, a healthy five-year-old boy will get 72 COVID vaccine shots over the course of his lifetime. They're literally, they're saying every year, like we told you from the beginning, and maybe every six months if it's bad. That's what they're saying today. 72. Repeated shots of gene therapy manipulation that will, this kid, that kid won't live to be 20, in my opinion. That's genuinely what I think. If he has an average lifespan with the risk of myocarditis after each one. Oh, I'm sorry. I've read that backwards. So he's just saying if he has an average lifespan, it'll amount to 72 COVID shots over his lifetime. And with a myocarditis risk after each one, as well as every other risk we talked about, inexplicably and defying science, the CDC is saying even if a child had COVID three weeks ago, he or she should still get the new COVID shot. These people are, these are the people that are anti-science. Two of the FDA's best vaccine experts are gone. Dr. Marion Gruber, who was director at the FDA's vaccine office and her deputy director, Philip Krauss. Both quit, as we've told you, in 2021 in protest over the political pressure to authorize vaccine boosters for young people in particular. Ever since they left, the agency's vaccine authorizations have just flown right by, consistent with an overly cozy relationship between pharma and the White House. Pushing a new COVID vaccine without human outcomes data makes a mockery of the scientific method. In fact, it completely ignores it, guys, and the regulatory process. In fact, why have an FDA if White House doctors can simply declare a drug to be safe after discussing secret data in private meetings with pharma? Because that's what's really happening. And on top of all that, we're really talking about a military overlap to this, which makes the FDA part of this completely irrelevant. If public health officials don't want a repeat disappointing turnout of Americans deciding not to get that shot, 
which is what's going to happen unless they force it, in my opinion, they should require a proper clinical trial to show the people the benefit, which won't be there. And that's why they won't do it. Public health leaders cannot afford to squander any more credibility too late and money on interventions with no scientific support. Well, again, the guys, the point is that all of this seems to hinge on the idea that they're just getting it wrong. I think we all know it's much darker than that. They have repeatedly been shown the facts and repeatedly double, triple, quadruple down on exactly the thing they know will hurt people. I don't know how we see it any other way. Now, we're going to get into two things that we're going to... So we're at two hours. That's not bad. I'm hoping to get this done before an hour. So we'll get three hours, but probably go longer than that today. We're going to play this video and then we're going to finish with the David Martin video and really we'll kind of encapsulate the bigger picture. And I think that's important. I'm actually glad that we did it today instead of yesterday. Because it really does, it's going to kind of, it lays this out in very clear fashion. That the, This is a long-term manipulation. Before we get to that, though, I found this to be a really important post. Ozzy17 shared this. He says, watch this important debate. And it is kind of a debate between the court and the, the woman presenting this. But there's a lot of things that I didn't know, including, this is on September 14th, by the way, in Seattle, Washington that there, apparently there are still vaccine mandates in effect right now in Washington for teachers and others that have nothing to do with what the government is mandating or the government is saying. They're, st- they're doing it of their own accord with, with the lack of science. But on top of that, for the first two shots, guys. So this whole, like right now, as none of them are available, they're still saying you can't get a job unless you've got these early two shots. Like the first two they pushed, the Wuhan shots or Delta, whatever, not the new Omicron one. But of course, they're just going to say whatever now that they've been allowed to, according to this document, saying any of them will apply to your first two primary course. But what's crazy is they're telling you right now that that's only one shot. XBB is only one. But in the document, it seems to talk about two. My bottom line point, where it is here, is that they're still saying that these doc, these teachers in 2023, are required to get these shots, and anybody that got just those two shots all the way back in 2021 are still okay, despite science proving that it's not even possible, that they don't have any efficacy. No, if it wanes at the very least, according to even them. You see, it's irrational. And I don't know whether she knows she's wrong or not, but I find this to be very important. So let's watch this clip, and I'll try to not stop it because I really want you to see this, but I'll make some points here and there. Is it true that the uh, the um, vaccination requirement is still in effect? Yes, Your Honor. That's crazy. Interesting. Is there anywhere else in the country where that's still the case? I don't think so. I don't know, Your Honor. Now, is the would the vaccine mandate that is currently in place be satisfied by just having the initial two shot sequence back in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one? Yes. And with nothing further since then? No boosters, is okay. my understanding. It's not a, there's no booster requirement. Exactly. Okay. Um, may it please the court. I'm Connie Michaels from the Littler Mendelssohn Law Firm. And so just to make it clear out of the gate, she's the one arguing in favor of keeping these mandates in place. I represent the superintendent, chief human resource officer, and board members of the Los Angeles Unified School District which is, in fact, a public school district. It is the second largest um, in the country. It's our position that this case... 
I'm sorry. I guess I, it's funny. I watched this earlier all the way through, and I guess I missed that part right there. So just so it's clear, this is taking place as according to the video right there in the left-hand corner when, it, when you can see past the subtitles that says Seattle, Washington. So I, excuse me. Apparently she's talking about, which makes a lot more sense to me in California. Of course it is. Please, let's continue. Resource officer and board members of the Los Angeles Unified School District, which is in fact a public school district. It is the second largest um, in the country. It's our position that this case is absolutely controlled by Jacobson and the many, many, many cases after it that have dealt with vaccine mandates and COVID-related restrictions. Everyone from um, Biden uh, versus Missouri. Let me address the concern I have about this case, which I think is unique among all the cases we Certainly, have this morning. And that is the breadth of Judge Fisher's decision. Because so far as I'm aware, this is the only decision that holds that under Jacobson, it doesn't matter if the, um, the vaccine does not prevent transmission of the disease. And by the way, in case you're confused, the Jacobson, what they do, they're referencing different court cases. So like Jacobson versus the state or whatever. And so in this case, they just say Jacobson, but they're talking about a previous case that had to do with for, basically medical interventions and forced injections. Because she addressed that concern and she said um, plaintiff's reliance on this distinction is misplaced. Jacobson does not require that a vaccine have the specific purpose of preventing disease. And then she just upheld it as essentially as mandatory medical treatment. But that seems not Jacobson. And it does seem to be Glucksburg. And so this rationale and this decision seems to me to be clearly wrong. Tell me why you disagree. I do disagree, Your Honor, um, for a number of reasons. The cases that have been relied upon by opposing counsel, these bodily integrity cases, deal with situations where the forced medical procedure involved literally injecting people um, and other types of treatment and the like. Here, we're dealing with a condition of employment. It has long been a condition of employment at LA Unified. But do you agree that it's legally irrelevant whether or not the vaccines prevent transmission? I believe that under the current state of the law, um, courts have not made that um, distinction in the sense that it's but made a difference. But that's not Jacobson, because Jacobson rests on the principle of vaccination as a means to prevent the spread of smallpox. Now, let's be clear, by the way, that ultimately, in my opinion, and I think legally speaking, there's never been an allowable case of forced medical intervention ever. Because at the end of the day, you're still making a rationale that the personal freedom is less important than the collective. And that's ridiculous. Because it, it, that is all in every bioethics discussion, it always ends up where the individual bodily autonomy is more important than the collective. But yet they just change that because of a, a fear mongering tactic or people like Dershowitz will come out and say there's precedent. But the bottom line is that it's about basic understanding of constitutional rights or international human rights. So it's interesting. So ultimately, what she's arguing is that because that it's irrelevant whether they stop transmission. Right. That it's really just about the idea that we we have plenty of examples of getting injections to go to school. But they make th these judges pretty much stand up to her. I love it because what they're ultimately going to tell her, as you'll see, is that this is pretty irrational. 
that you're basically just going through the motions to maintain this because you guys decide this and that there's no, it doesn't stop transmission. It's the same thing we've been saying from the very beginning. If it doesn't stop transmission, what's the point of stopping making these teachers have it when it, do, when it doesn't matter, especially when there's other kids at the school that don't have the injection? I'm getting ahead of myself. Go ahead. <laughs> the whole rationale, and you go to the concluding part of Justice Harlan's opinion, is this idea that you're going to defy the mandate and infect others. That's the whole scenario of Jacobson. Right. But you're coming here and saying, no, we have a right to condition employment on you conducting your medical treatment the way we like. That- Think about how crazy that is, because that's exactly what she's saying. So this is it, this if this was allowed and it, basically COVID already kind of put this in there, even though it was, you know, mandates and such and emergencies. But that you're basically putting the precedent down that you can force your employees through firing or having a job to take certain medical interventions that you decide are necessary. Not the government, you understand. This is an individual choice coming from their legal standing. This is because the, the government has already pulled back on these things. I just, that's, these are the kind of... The COVID-19 illusion created people just like this, who decided amongst themselves, the nurses, the doctors. It's the kind of situation we're seeing in the hospital where they're, even though it's allowable, refusing to allow an unvaccinated father take blood to give to the child. Refusing and saying, you have to use the blood bank, blood bank blood, because we decide that. There's nothing about that that makes sense, including the fact that those kids went on to die. That it's always been allowable to use the blood from a, a person there that has the same blood type, especially a family member. But suddenly they decided not to because they think he's a conspiracy theorist. That's what these people are arguing. Whether the, the lawyer agrees or not is irrelevant. They're, she's arguing be, on behalf of the, the L.A. school district. That's, a, that's not Jacobson. That's something really different. Your Honor, similar arguments have been asserted in other cases around the country. But have they been adopted by any other court? No, I didn't find any other court that adopted the medical treatment type concern. Let me ask you this. I mean, you don't need that broad of an interpretation of Jacobson to win the case, correct? I agree. It's a rational um, basis. That is all we have to prove. I'm so sorry. But Jacobson won't apply if if your position is to concede that the vaccines don't um, prevent transmission. I mean, and, and that was it's alleged in the complaint and this was done on the pleadings that they don't. And there's a fair amount of science at this point that their ability to prevent transmission is of a very limited window and expires. It doesn't happen at all. Remember that that's not up for question. It's based in their own documentation that we showed you from the very beginning. They are not designed to stop transmission. Fact ever. And yet. You're willing to accept someone who had a vaccine two years ago who clearly has no it has no ability to prevent transmission. And yet today, it, it, this doesn't fit Jacobson and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Exactly. I love this because that's the truth. It doesn't make sense. Thank God we have some rational people here who are just going, wait, wait a minute. So it's 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 predicated on the idea that they're going to use this to stop the spread. That's the whole point of these kind of mandates, even though we know it doesn't actually stop the spread of anything. And listen to the way she tries to somersault her, her mental gymnastics to make this make sense. Clear. I'm not conceding that vaccines um don't help with respect to transmission. Don't help. And currently today, <laughs> you do have to have had the vaccines in order to be currently working at LA Unified. But what, what's the basis? I mean, right. I guess the question is, is there any rational basis to 
say that you had to have the vaccine two, three years ago now to continue working? Well, first Isn't of all, that the, is that the question we're supposed to answer now? Well, I think the real question that you're answering now is to see if there is a rational relationship. And to, in order to start that, you have to see the fundamental right. I mean, and, what, what, if it, what if we're here 20 years, ago, 20 years from now? Exactly. And, the, the LA is, you know, still requiring a whole new generation. The LA school district is requiring a whole new generation to get a vaccine. Bingo. Wouldn't we say, wait, you can't do that? There's no current threat. Your Honor, there is no fundamental right here simply because um, there, you're supposed to allow the state, in this case the district, and give them the discretion to figure that they knew the different sides of the debate. Oh, and that's that not. That's not my question. What happened in 2020 happened in 2020. Here we have a situation where you're still imposing this requirement. And so, I, I mean, at some point, the rational basis starts to wane. I just had a thought, by the way, and this is where I believe this is going to shift. I believe that they're maintaining this because it's going to come back in some form. And what ultimately is going to happen here is right now that this is only the only reason this is nice to watch is because she's they're saying they're they're rational and they're saying it doesn't stop transmission and it's not ultimately going to make an effect on what's happening now. So what you're doing is not based in science. But the problem is now once they shift into which they just did the seasonal type, right, where they say just take whichever one seasonal every year and you're good for the year is now they're going to say, well, it's not about the original two from five years ago. It's about the one every year. You see my point? And these judges, if put, if that was the argument today, I bet you that they would side with that. That, well, okay, if it's, a, if it's an every year vaccine, it's only in regard to lessen the effect of the, that would change their, I, I would hope not. It seems like they have some kind of inkling that this is not something they should be taking. But either way, my guess is that once this officially kicks out and they're talking about the seasonal COVID shot like the flu, that this mandate will be won't even be pushed back on, sadly enough. And I, I mean, even under rational basis, I, I think we all agree that rational basis applies here. Well, plaintiff doesn't, but but even assuming rational basis, at some point it starts to wane. And I guess the question is whether you've come outside of Jacobson by prolonging it, you know, this long. I don't believe we have here. Meaning the idea that it's health, necessary to health to infor, to maintain the mandate for because it's stopping transmission and so on, right? So if the idea is a shot from five years ago is necessary, and if you had it then, you're still com in compliance. Well, his argument is, well, that doesn't apply to Jacobson because we're not in an immediate risk, it, or, or it, either way you look at it. Either the risk isn't there or the fact that they had it that long ago doesn't stop the risk anyway, right? This is an irrational argument. I, I love that they call her out for this. Honor, because you have to keep in mind, we're dealing with a school, a school with a very, very large population oh, that has impacted a huge population in L.A. County. You have a school. But you could make that same argument 20 years from now. Exactly. Top five years from now. Well, Your Honor, they're still requiring smallpox vaccines. Um, what? In the uh, school district. I mean, there's a number. I, I, I forgot. Dang it. I forgot to look that up. Guys, how is that possible? I don't know if she made a mistake. Hold on. This is crazy to me. The idea is the smallpox vaccine, as we've covered, when we went into the overlap with the monkeypox injection, which is basically just the same, it's a version of the smallpox vaccine. 
Yeah, I don't see this popping up because, I mean, the point is the smallpox vaccine is literally called the most dangerous vaccine in the world. That, that's what, I think it was written on Associated Press or something like that because that's what they call it. The point is, though. Sorry, I'm trying to look at this at the same time. The point is. It's supposed to be the benefits outweigh the risks. So why not make it any safer? Well, because you're in danger. Well, guess what? That's a long time ago. So the idea is we still have this super dangerous vaccine over here, but it only makes sense when there's a, an outbreak of some, no, smallpox because it kills 80% of whatever the number is. It kills a lot of people. So something that will kill you maybe 2% of the time is worth it. It's just ridiculous to me. But that is what we're talking about. We're talking about a smallpox vaccine that is not necessary. And if you're literally requiring that for children, that would blow my mind, which I forgot to look up actually. I don't see it. I'm, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going mean, to, if, if not, yeah, I don't, I don't see it anywhere. If not, she just said something that's wildly untrue. I think that's crazy. It's just the idea that they would give smallpox vaccines to kids when it's not happening. My God, but wouldn't surprise me, would it? But her overall point is that, well, we still require these shots for this, but the same point applies. If they don't stop transmission, then what are we talking about? Number of vaccines, but I do want to make the point that without agreeing and conceding to it, even if it was a medical treatment, I believe that there's a rational basis with respect to that. Because suggests that if it's medical treatment, that there is a fundamental right, because it talks about the right recognized in Cruzan and says, given the common law rule that forced medication was a battery and the long legal tradition protecting the decision to refuse unwanted medical treatment, our assumption um, that it was a fundamental right in Cruzan, our assumption was entirely consistent with this nation's history and constitutional traditions, which is the the standard that Dobbs applies for um, substantive due process. So if you're redefining, that's why I'm, I think this is so important. If you're saying it's medical treatment, you're out of Jacobson, and, and it seems to me you're in the Glucksburg fundamental right, and it's strict scrutiny. Meaning that, she's contra- that, that it contradicts her argument, right? If you're in the idea of the other precedent, well, then the point is we have fundamental human rights and constitutional rights. Thank God we've got judges that remember what their job is. We're not conceding this medical treatment, but even if we were... You're not conceding that the shot is medical treatment? <laughs> Look at the mental gymnastics you're taking to try to make this make sense. You guys so desperately want to give unnecessary shots to people, don't you? For purposes of this argument, because it's a school district, it is important that vaccine, even if it was just something that helped with respect to treatment, the reason it's important is because we want the students to be able to go to school and stay in school. So what you're saying is even if, even if it has a small effect on treatment, doesn't stop transmission, we want them to go to school as much as possible. Well, okay, then you could logically make an argument through that non-logical statement to give them anything that's dangerous if it might help a little bit. Who needs evidence? The idea that that is her argument is mind-blowing to me. First of all, because it doesn't stop transmission. And secondly, because they're wildly dangerous. And even peer-reviewed science for that exact grouping has found harm, net harm, in fact, for the 18 to 27s. And yet we're going to say that that, that, don't worry about the harm it's causing. It might give them another three seconds in school. So, get you know, it's it's just unbelievable. So At some point, they're going to get mad. Well, not mad, but they just, they call her irrational. I love it. If this treatment... Is such that it shortens the time that someone is ill. Are the students subject to a vaccine mandate? Uh, They were, they're not now. 
So students don't so have to get it. Most of the people in the building are unvaccinated, but the right. handful of people have to be have to be vaccinated. And that would pass you. Are you claiming that would pass strict scrutiny if we found strict scrutiny were applicable? I don't believe it's strict scrutiny, Your Honor. Um, bear in mind that many of these uh, students couldn't get the vaccinated. Um, they weren't able to do so. Because That's irrelevant. She's just trying. The point is they're not. Therefore, it makes no sense to vaccinate just a small group. All right. I mean, it's just. It's, but, you know, let's be fair, though. I mean, I, I, I do believe that she drank the Kool-Aid. But a lawyer is going to argue to the best of their extent to, you know, free the criminal because that's what they're paid to do. It doesn't mean they want to free the criminal and so on. Right. So just keep that in mind, too. Because of their age and the vaccines that were available. So we're talking about a point in time where the district made the decision that in order to protect the staff, the students and the community at large, they were going to follow the guidance of the government and the CDC and the various local state authorities and decide that vaccines were, in fact, a device to help prevent the spread of this particular disease. Okay, that, again, that's fine in 2020, but what about today? What's the justification for keeping this going? I mean, we, we've, had, we've had every other attorney in here saying there's no way we would uh, require vaccines again today. You couldn't get away <laughs> with it. And you're up here standing here saying, no, this makes this is completely co common sense. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we could keep doing under your theory, we could keep this in place for the next 20 years. Well, first of all, Your Honor, that's nothing that was briefed. I don't believe it's actually before the court. I'm not certainly suggesting that it goes on forever. But we do know, for example, that there are COVID spikes right now. See, um, so COVID spikes. <laughs> do I need to show you the graph again? the insulting reality that we're at a lower point now than almost any other point in the entire illusion. But we're in a spike, though. Don't worry. I, I can't reveal. Well, you're, you're certainly undermining the mootness argument for every other case that's but, been out here. The, the problem I have, and that's why I started with the question I did, there's, there's no rational basis for believing that someone who got a, a two- shot sequence in 2021, in March, say, of 2021, has any protection against transmission now in September of 2023. There's just seems to me to be irrational. Even the CDC does not claim that a shot sequence two and a half years ago provides immunity against what's circulating today. Right. So get this, just like every other point. These are people it's like the people we make fun of that when the CDC said, don't wear your masks anymore, said, no, we're going to keep doing it. That's not that's anti-science. It's like, so so you, you say trust the science. You mean trust your own instincts or trust what you believe the truth is? Because the point is they were telling us to trust what Fauci said. That's the science. And then when Fauci says, don't wear the mask anymore, we go, OK, great. And he goes, no, you will wear your mask. So what, what are they trusting? They're trusting their fear. Right. So the point is that we, they're these people at the, the school district, I mean has made the, made the decision that this is what they want to keep doing. So it doesn't matter. If the, if the CDC doesn't even agree with this. They're going to do it because they've decided. And they're literally trotting their lawyer out to push this case when nobody else is doing that because that's what they want. These people are maniacs. And they're the kind of people that have been so trumped up on their own idea of their, the power they had. They're drunk on the power they gained through COVID-19 like so many other people. And they're changing the world and the vision that they want to see it as. And just their people are irrational and lunatics, in my opinion. And so you that person is exempted, even though they have absolutely no producer. So this just seems completely arbitrary. 
It is. Your Honor, again, I don't believe that the issue of today, as opposed to what happened previously, is really the issue that's but been briefed before policy. the court. Your policy today is a vax mandate that is satisfied by a shot two and a half years ago. That's two shots. not rational. Well, in fact, no one <laughs> that hasn't been vaccinated, not just with respect to COVID, but with a list of different immunizations is allowed to come on board. Yeah. yeah, so now you're just conflating these other shots, which, by the way, we should take issue with in some ways, too. But it's not the same thing. They're not the same technology. They're not the same safety profile. These things and the, the issues we're pointing out are not the same risk. For all we know, COVID doesn't even exist. On top of that, the data we have shows us less than the flu. But sure, because they need a flu shot, we should give them this dangerous gene therapy, right? That's logic. And that's just it's a universal rule. It's applied to everyone. Because the other things like mumps and measles, the vaccines present prevent transmission for extended periods of time and which we could disagree with and i do in many ways but his logical point still stands the scientific basis for that they've alleged that the vaccines don't prevent transmission the cdc concedes that after a period of time they don't prevent transmission and yet you're insisting on it still well your honor we're very concerned about maintaining the health of our staff and until it's just it's just mindless how are you maintaining the health of your staff if you're giving them something that doesn't even stop the spread? Are we trying to pretend that these shots improve your health in some way? The only reason you would argue that they have a health benefit is because they stop from catching or spreading. There's nothing. Like the idea that you somehow reduce the issue that you have afterward. Well, well let's even say that's the case. How does that stop the... That means you're, you're sick at home somewhere. It's less than before. Not while you're at the school. The idea that these times somehow have an effect on your health that benefits the people around you, there, there is no scientific basis to that. And anything we have shows that it doesn't stop transmission and you can still catch it, you can still spread it, as we all know. And she just reverts back to, well, health is important and we want kids to go to school. I mean, how do you even, this is what it's like to argue with somebody like this in the world today. It's, it's like they don't even hear what you're saying. It's absolutely established that the vaccines have no effect. And the fact that. Oh, 90- I, I, I want to make sure we don't miss that part. This is what I keep saying. The the dangerous thing for your safety. Right. Listen to this. Prevent transmission for extended periods of time. And there's a scientific basis for that. They've alleged that the vaccine. The CDC concedes that after a period of time, they don't prevent transmission. And yet you're insisting on it still. Well, Your Honor, we're very concerned about maintaining the health of our staff and until it's absolutely established that the vaccines have no effect. And the fact that... Did you get that? Until it's absolutely established that the vaccines have no effect. Wow, that is quite an inverse of where we were in 2021, right? So 99% effective, well, if we got to, you know, whatever their argument were at the time, right? That it's, oh, well, 70%, as long as it still stops transmission... Now we're at a point where unless we prove that it has zero effect, we're going to force it on our staff. How, I mean, how is that even logical in what, in your mind? I mean, even these things, even in your mind, they have some minimal side effects. The reality is they're deadly, but even in their person, in that person's mind, you still admit that there are some things. So if you think it has 1% effect, whatever that means, you're still going to force it on somebody, even though that in no way benefits outweigh the risk kind of, I mean, my God. These are the kind of people that exist at the very least realize that the L.A. school board thinks this because they hired her to make this argument. The entire school board, a gigantic school board in the, in the biggest country, I mean, or in the state. My God, this is what I mean when this is not going to go away, whether or not the government pushes it. They've already opened that door. So they're going to push it on their own right. And the government's going to pretend like they have nothing to say about it.
99% of, or maybe... ...means have no effect. And the fact that 99% of, or maybe 99.9% of government bodies aren't requiring mandates anymore isn't enough to establish for you? I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly shocked by your argument. I agree. I understand your honor. I love that, by the way. How often do you hear a judge say that? I'm honestly shocked by your regret, your irrational arguments. I just, I love it because it's, but you rarely, throughout this madness, you rarely get moments of vindication like this. I, you know, and I just think it's very clear. We've seen this throughout the entire time where they are pushing things. Like that's what they've been saying about the vaccines right now, right? Until we know, or even the veyers, until we can prove that they're all fake, or rather prove that they're real, we, we deny that they're there. That is the opposite of safety, just like this. Um, with respect to what the district's going to do now or what they're considering doing now, there's only so much I can tell you because it's not in the record. But with respect to the vaccination requirement, they have felt that until it is established that the vaccine is not of use um, in any way, that it's important to go ahead and maintain it. Wow. Forever. Just like he was saying, until it's not of use. And if, in fact, it is a treatment, by the way, that's right now, as has been suggested, or has any ability so the to keep is saying that in or order to um, lift the mandate, which is in effect right now, uh, one would have to establish that the vaccine doesn't work at all. One would have to establish uh, whether there are other means because the, the test when we're dealing out of a rational basis has to do with how narrow it is. And so here we would have to see, is the vaccine, in fact, the best tool? Oh, great. So we'll just force something else on them. Paxlovid, maybe, because that one's better. Why is it a debate about what to force on people? You see how these kind of things work? At any particular time, given the particular ability of the vaccines and the particular um, variants that exist with respect to COVID. You point to any other government agent, a government body, school board, state, city, fire department, anything that is taking this position. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I didn't understand this going into this case. I'm really floored by this argument. Well, uh, we certainly have the Indiana University, Norris versus Indiana University case, where they came up with the same decision and decided that there's no um, fundamental basis to employment. And if you didn't follow their particular rules, and this is decided in July of 2023, that um, you could go ahead and work somewhere else or go somewhere else. Let me go, go around this argument just, just a bit. Um, uh, my colleague, Judge Collins, has pointed to the statement by Judge Fisher in the opinion that it does not matter how effective the vaccine would be. You know, you know what he's referring to. I'm so sorry. Could you repeat that? Okay. The statement apparently in the district court's opinion mm -hmm. that the vaccine mandate still in effect <clears throat> would be upheld even if the vaccine was ineffective completely, to paraphrase. Is it possible? Here's my question that I'm getting to. Is it possible to affirm the district court and disapprove of that language? Under the rational basis statement, I don't believe there is. I don't think, believe Jacobson made the type of distinction between um, treatment and transmission, and it has not been discussed in the cases. Where did Judge Fisher come up with this? Do you know? I, 
did the school district argue to Judge Fisher that it's irrelevant whether the vaccine works at all? How could that even be an argument? I don't believe that was briefed, Your Honor. Okay. I don't believe that had come up with us. She was Thank strictly, you. I believe she was strictly file, file, following Jacobson and its progeny after that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have rebuttal. Now, here comes the other guy for the side that this shouldn't happen. Just briefly, Your Honors, I, 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 I appreciate your, your questions. And I appreciate giving the, being given the opportunity to respond to them. I just might had just a few things this. I wanted to respond to with respect to what counsel just said. The, 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 the demonstration that the rule was arbitrary and capricious is partly that they were, um, it was imposed on people who were not teaching in person. Oh, that's right. In fact, there was no in-person in, in teaching at the time that the, that the mandate was imposed. So what is the rational basis for having somebody who's not even going to be there get a vaccine that he or she doesn't want? Right. So that, I mean, that's, that just shows you what this is really about. They were forcing it on them then when it wasn't necessary. Now they're just continuing to now because they feel like they've got more standing. Why would you force a teacher that worked from home to take a vaccine to continue working from home? You know why? Because they've decided it's the right thing in their mind or that they don't like that teacher does what they want. You have to do what I say. That's how a lot of people think. I mean, I don't know how else you frame that. You can't that you're doing it for their best interest. Maybe. But even then, you're still deciding for them what's best for them. That's a special kind of person. Secondly, um, you've heard a better argument to support your position than what you just gave. But but keep going. <laughs> OK, OK. Um, one of the better arguments is, is, is what your honor said, saying, well, you can make a rule. But if yeah, I'm going I'm to leave it there, the rest of it's kind of just redundant. Right. But the point is they, they adjourn. They don't rule yet. This was yesterday. This, I, so I don't I don't know. I, I looked, but I wasn't able to follow up. But I will come back to this. And let you guys know what I find. But I mean, here's the here's the full source, by the way. So check it out. Thank you, Ozzy, for pointing this out. Last two points before we finish with the David Martin point. From the defender from yesterday. Baby who died. My point in this, these last two uh, tweet or tabs in this segment is to point out that this is not just about the covid vaccine, guys. I'm not saying I think that every single thing under the sun that is vaccination is necessarily a problem or dangerous. I do know for sure that the intent, the people behind everything being made today are the same people we're talking about. So I don't know why you would trust anything like that. Uh, my, my point is always that if what we understand about the technology is correct, and that's a big if, especially because we're being told by these people. But if that's the case, then I would argue that there is some benefit to some case for some people, as long as nothing's forced on anybody. It should be your choice. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, because I don't know why we think we can trust any of this. But the bottom line is we can stand back right now and prove that some of these things they've lied about over the years and still to this very day. Here's one example of why giving a infant the, the amount of dangerous chem chemicals that, by the way, again, have not been tested alongside each other. Like that was one of the biggest arguments for the MMR vaccine and the autism overlap. They have an injection with mumps, rubella and uh, rabies or what was it? was it? Rubella and what was it again? I'm forgetting the third one, but the three, the combination shot, uh, MMR, or no, it was mumps, measles, and rubella. That's what it was, MMR. That shot is three things combined, none of which have been tested alongside each other. How do you even make sense of that? But this is what happens with these infants if they, well, the fact is that there's a lot of SIDS examples, right? Sudden infant death syndrome that we just don't understand. Here's one of those examples. And you can ask yourself why the, the child died. The baby who had died 34 hours after vaccines 
had a toxic level of aluminum in his blood. I mean, it's just mind-blowing to me. It says, the main couple last week finally got the answers they've been seeking for nearly a year, ever since their 62-day-old son, Sawyer, died October 28, 2022, 34 hours after his scheduled vaccines. According to a toxicology report, the blood contained 95 micrograms per liter of aluminum, a level that would be toxic for adults. A toxicologist told the couple the aluminum and antigen levels in the blood were due to the vaccines. There you go. I mean, the person who did the report, a toxicologist, said it's because of the things from the vaccine. But nobody cares. Because fake, because conspiracy theorists, right? Because isn't this RFK's website? People will take what they want to dismiss things. She also said a viral infection Sawyer was being treated for could have been a contributing factor. Sure. Why not? But the bottom line is that's a contributing factor that wouldn't have been the problem without the issue that... It's like saying... I mean, a thousand examples, guys. But it says... I, th- I had this highlighted, but there's only one other point. I mean, the, the bottom line, guys, as you can see, I don't want it to skim. This is a common recurring factor. The idea is that this is something we can prove is a problem. And the amount of shots they're still giving, and now they're going to be giving COVID shots to infants as well. New ones. Six months old, guys. That's the point. So they, they on their schedule. Come back when you're six months old. We'll give them... I mean... This is something we need to understand that's been there the entire time. It's not just COVID vaccines. And here's something I'll leave you with from Children's Health Defense as well, but that I've mentioned more than once. And, and James Lyons-Weiler has a different version of the same kind of study on his website, IPAC. But this is Brian Hooker, PhD. He, this, this is Brian Hooker from, from the discussion that goes all the way back to the CDC. William Thompson, Del Bigtree, Andrew Wakefield, Right. That he is. That's he's part of that original story. The point is, he's been breaking this down from the very beginning. And he says he's breaking this data down today from one of his studies where he evaluates. I actually saw this report, this um, this presentation. I saw him speak in Nashville. But he's saying that the studies where he evaluates the vaccination data from several pediatricians clinics. The results are shocking. It's the one they won't do. Vaccinated compared to not the vaccinated when compared to not vaccinated saw 2.48 times more likely to have a gastrointestinal disorder, 2.18 times more likely to have developmental delays, 4.48 times more likely to have asthma, 2.13 times more likely to have ear infections, and it goes on. James Lyons-Weiler's report found that they were that, that they focused on the well visits. And the babies that had none compared to those that had all the injections, it was unbelievable. The babies that had all the injections had well visits, meaning they had to go to the hospital for earaches and problems, exponentially i mean like compared to almost none in some cases to people that went in every like three times a month i mean i don't know how you continue to ignore all this stuff conspiracy theorists that's how typically so to finish we'll not really finish there will be a couple points i want to get into after this video but it's 23 minutes and i'm i'm not i don't want to stop this not just because time but i want just this to resonate people now we already played a while ago david martin's uh presentation about the larger COVID-19 patents, which was also very compelling. And I find that, now I'm not saying that I blindly believe everything David Martin is saying or that I believe that my point is simply that what he presents right here, and he has all of the receipts to back it up, is one of the most compelling overlaps of one of the, of where this all comes from that I've seen. You need to come to your own conclusions about it. There's a lot of other factors that you could overlap to this. 
but this is really compelling. And then realizing that we have the patent information that clearly suggests the, the building of what we're dealing with today. Now, for those out there that are of the mind that these that viruses aren't real, which is something nobody should dismiss, consider the fact that this could be something like pathogenic bacteria or virus-sized transistors that we've already talked about. I mean, there's any number of overlaps that could make this make sense, whether or not you think that's there. That's a real point, so consider this. As Thank you to uh, Restator Obris pointing this out. He says, the most important video you will watch, this is on September 13th, a panel bravely exposed the WHO for the criminal organization that it is and proved that COVID is indeed a bioweapon. That's his opinion, but watch for yourself. A group, a very small number of criminal industrial conspirators decided to subordinate the entirety of the human population for the purpose. One second, let me check something. Okay, yeah, sorry. I just want to check. We're a group, a very small number of criminal industrial conspirators decided to subordinate the entirety of the human population for the purpose of their sinister plans to enrich themselves while impoverishing and killing the rest of humanity. And I'm done being polite. We've long passed polite. When the words acceptable death rate become part of an industrial norm, we have lost the plot of humanity. And that's not my words. Those were the words of the World Health Organization and of Pfizer and of Moderna when they were given the authorization to begin the process of killing human beings in the interest of advancing their goals. Next slide. And I'm also not going to sugarcoat this. This is a criminal cartel. We are acting as though there's some sort of redeemable quality somewhere in some esoteric layer that somehow or another the World Health Organization must have some salutatory benefit. Well, I'm going to tell you, since its formation in the 1940s, the World Health Organization has been nothing more than a criminal cartel that has a sole and singular intent. And I will show you the document that proves what I'm saying. This is not an allegation. This is actually provable by their own words in their own hand. And they use a four-step process to execute every one of their nefarious plans. They begin by planning an exercise. Then they go to the business of funding that exercise. Then they create the rationale for the thing that they're going to do. And then they deploy and profit from it. And in violation of 15 U.S. Code Section 19, which for those of you listening, coincidentally started with the Clayton Act in the same year that the World Health Organization in the United States, 1913, the same year the World Health Organization's progenitors also started. So I find it fascinating that we passed the Clayton Act in 1913 and we set in motion 110 years ago the criminal conspiracy, which we now call the World Health Organization. 110 years later. And in violation of TFU, or TFU, I don't know even how to say it, the TFEU, the treaty allegedly for the functioning of the European Union, which I think needs to now be called the Treaty for the Dysfunctional European Cabal, Article 101 unambiguously lays out the conditions that this was never a public health anything, it was racketeering for the purpose of instilling terror 
to adapt the behavior of a population, period. That's what it was. That's what it always was. And we can come up with every theoretical argument we want to make about things, but the problem, even with the theory that we had an outbreak of something, is falsifiable for the data from Zurich that shows us that in the year of the death pandemic of the globe, life insurance companies paid $30 billion less in claims. Now, if there's a medical professional or a social professional or anybody else who wants to debate that we could develop a virus cunningly that could find out your bank account, your insurance policy statements, and whether you're paid up on your premiums, that's a big ask. It turns out that the data is unambiguous. We did not have a pandemic. We had genocide. And we need to call it what it is. Next slide. When I say we planned it, let's make sure we understand exactly the not-so-fine print of the fine print. And I want to call your attention first to the right-hand column of the slide. This is the 2011 data that the World Health Organization, the Wellcome Trust, PATH, and the Gates Foundation did on their wonderful worldwide program for a malaria vaccine for children under the age of six months of age. And in their clinical trial, it's helpful to point out that they murdered 66 children in the vaccine group and then cunningly, cunningly used the term control for a control group in which they murdered 28 children. Now, the reason I said murdered and the reason why I use that term is because it's exactly what it was. Because it turns out that this control group was not a saline injection. It was not some sort of innocuous, innocent thing. It was actually a cocktail of other known pathogenic disease-carrying injections. The control group was known to kill people, and the experimental control group was actually theoretically maybe going to kill people. And what we did was we actually went ahead and murdered them all. And cunningly, under Article 5, Section 13, which I've put on this slide, I want you to understand why I said, at its formation in 1947, when the WHO was funded and founded, it was funded and founded by people intent to commit a crime because of their own language. Section 13 of Article 5 ends with the following statement. Immunity from personal arrest or detention, blah, blah, blah. Immunity from legal process of every kind. Now, if you didn't intend to commit a crime, why would you need to give yourself permanent and absolute immunity from every form of prosecution, and it's worse, even investigation for prosecution of every kind. People sit there and pretend, well, that's like diplomatic immunity. Do you realize this isn't even meeting the standard of diplomatic immunity? This is a criminal organization who set in motion their own law to protect themselves against crimes they knew they were going to commit. And when I say they knew they were going to commit, I mean they knew it, because their first director general, none other than Dr. René San, who happened to be in the hospitality of the Germans in Dachau in 1940 earlier, in 1947, mysteriously 
with the largesse of the Rockefeller Foundation, was nominated to become the first director general of the WHO. And within five short years, René Sand decided to authorize the real purpose of the WHO in writing by then director general, Dr. Brock Chisholm, who advocated for population control as its primary objective. Does that sound like public health to anyone in this room? This is not public health. This is the advancement of the same genocidal program that began with the Carnegie Foundation's funding of the eugenics office at Cold Spring Labs in the United States in 1913 under the philanthropy, philanthropy of Andrew Carnegie. People, stop fooling yourself. We debate the leaves on the tree of what we call this pandemic thing, but we're not going to the root. This was an organized crime, racketeering entity set up to give itself first absolute immunity and then execute its plans to make sure it controls who lives, who dies, and who gets any chance at life. And if you think that I am somehow inflating numbers, let me be unambiguous. Under every treatment of tax provision, if I were to tell you that there is an 88% controlling interest of any organization, you might conclude that that, that actually aggregates into a controlling interest. And it turns out that if we look at the foundation donations to the World Health Organization, 88% of those come from a single organization, the Gates Foundation. That constitutes a violation of every competitiveness law in Europe and every competitiveness law in the United States. This is absolutely not only not an independent, charitably funded donation, but more importantly, under the tax laws on both sides of the Atlantic, this constitutes directed donations which specifically are forbidden and do not have any place anywhere in the charter of the World Health Organization or any of the UN-affiliated organizations. When I say this is a crime, I mean it's a tax crime, a racketeering crime, a money laundering crime, and now the crime of racketeering leading to murder and global terrorism. Next slide. I told you that the second thing after they plan it is they fund it. And why don't we use the criminal's language in their own words, because it's the best way to say it. When they actually planned the release of the use of a biologically modified chimera associated with the model derived from coronavirus, they actually said the following. To sustain the funding base beyond the crisis, we need to increase the public understanding for the needful medical countermeasures such as a pan-influenza or pan-coronavirus vaccine. Now, let me pause for just one moment and remind you that the crisis that they were speaking of was a crisis of diminishing funding. There was no health crisis. This was a crisis of their coffers were starting to run dry. That's the crisis. And let's read on. A key driver is the media, and the economics will follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. 
That is officially the statement made by the conspiratorial cabal that by that time was the decade of vaccines put in motion in 2011 by the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board of the World Health Organization, and it was the funding base for Peter Daszak's partnership with the chimeric production of pathogens both in North Carolina and in Wuhan. So don't tell me that we have to do an investigation into where this came from. The criminals have admitted to it in their own words. Next slide. And now we get the fun one that no one in Congress is willing to address, which is the elephant in the room. On October the 21st, 2014, despite the multiple conversations between Senator Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci, where we've been told that Rand Paul has done everything he can to put Fauci on the ropes. He has had in his possession the letter that you see on the left. And it is the letter, conveniently on NIAID letterhead, sent to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, which unambiguously states that during the gain-of-function moratorium, which, by the way, if we use the word moratorium, feels like that means you're supposed to stop, why don't we go ahead and look at two pieces of this letter. First, the second bullet under Project 1 which, by the way, was not part of the original grant. This was to look at the novel functions of the virus pathogenesis in vivo. You know what that means? In living systems. The grant was supposed to be clinical simulations and models, but this grant was modified with this letter to say we were going to authorize gain-of-function research during the moratorium in living systems. And then we love the last paragraph of this letter, which conveniently says, as your grant is currently funded, this pause is voluntary. How many times have you met a voluntary moratorium? And the best part about it is that if we look at the very last line, or continue to conduct the applicable gain-of-function research until the end of the currently active budget period. But here comes the problem. You know who is supplying the budget? An indefinite term, unlimited amount, contract from DARPA and from NIH. Isn't it convenient to have a perpetually funded project that needs to stop when the money runs out, when you find out that there is no point where the money runs out? because there is no end to the thing that has no end. And lest you think that I'm making an allegation, which I'm not, I'm making an accusation, let's be clear. And there's a big difference. I'm not alleging anything. They actually went to the trouble of telling us that it was going to be the Wuhan virus that was going to get us. As you see on the right-hand side of the screen, Published in 2016, March 14th of 2016, the SARS-like Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1, and I quote, is poised for human emergence. Does that sound like we're just surprised that something in Wuhan went a little haywire in December of 2019? Or does it feel like we were told, look at Wuhan, and look at coronavirus, and look at what we've been doing to manipulate coronavirus in Wuhan and in the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And lo and behold, we're going to go ahead and tell you that we're ready to release it in 2016. Next slide.
we're almost done. And then they created it. Now, all of you know that I am criticized globally for my use of the term biological warfare. I do that because I am credentialed to do that. I happen to be, for the United States government, in the early part of the 2000s and the latter part of the 90s, a person who was sent around the world to look at the proliferation of biological and chemical weapons. I'm acutely familiar with the definition of what a biological warfare agent is in the 18 U.S. Code, the criminal code, of violations of biological and chemical weapons. And so my assessment is, in fact, professional and right. And the reason for that is I'm the one credentialed to make that determination for the United States government for many years. That's why I say it. But let's pretend for the moment that I'm just a nut job. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. So why don't we look at what the criminals said themselves, shall we? In 2005, at a conference sponsored by DARPA and the MITRE Corporation, Ralph Barrick, the architect of the lethal strand that has been injected into millions and billions of people's arms, that Ralph Barrick was sponsored to present the following, and let's go ahead and use his words, presentation. Synthetic coronaviruses, biohacking, bio-warfare-enabling technologies. Does that sound like a public health distribution program? Does that sound like something that is accidentally misinterpreted to mean something else? Or does biological warfare enabling technology sound like not countermeasures or pandemic preparedness? It sounds to me like biological warfare enabling technologies. And the reason why I have that hunch is what followed was he received next to his NIAID grants, non-competitive DARPA grants in matching funds for over $140 million of aggregate funding going into his and his related programs on synthetic biological warfare enabling technologies. So do I have a problem calling the injection a biological warfare enabling technology? Absolutely not, because that's what they called it. And we know that they knew they called it that on September 18th, 2019. Because on September 18th, 2019, the racketeering, co-conspiring cabal of interlocking directorates, also known as the World Health Organization, said that they were going to conduct an experience for the world that was going to be a rapidly spreading pandemic due to a lethal respiratory pathogen. The lethality in that statement is the problem. They didn't say we're going to maybe get a little bit of sniffles going around. They said we were going to actually have the promulgation of a deadly agent. And the stated reason in September 2020, the progress indicator is that the world would accept a universal vaccine. Not we'll look at other options of treatment, not We'll have a look at what might be early intervention, as Dr. McCullough has so clearly advocated for in many, many, many instances. Not that. We stated on September 18th, 2019, we were intending to kill. 
and we were intending to kill to create the fear that would drive people to accept something that without coercion, no one would have accepted. And that's published by the criminal racketeers. Next slide, and there's only two to go if you're following. Deploy and profit from it. We were told investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. And lo and behold, guess what they saw? Profit at the end of the process. 2022, $100 billion for Pfizer of public funds. Moderna, after lying to the Congress in October of 2020, when they were asked to actually verify whether NIAID was promoting an injection that would enrich NIAID, where Anthony Fauci and the entire team at NIH said that they had no financial interest in their recommendation, they receive a back payment royalty of $400 million for the first payment of the royalty. $400 million. More than any Institute of Health has ever received in a single payment for a single invention in the history of American medical research. And lo and behold, what do we receive after that? A request from the World Health Organization to expand its budget by 11% to make sure that the people who profited from it donate to it. And guess what they just did? They laundered the money right back. That's what they did. Next, and now you get the final slide. This is not a public health crime. This is actually not a constitutional crime. This is a criminal act done by a criminal institution established to enable criminal behavior since its foundation in 1947. That is what this is. And we should not be debating the merits of democracy or liberty or anything else as irrational as that would be if we stood at a bank robbery and debated the merits of printing dollar bills. The problem is not the dollar bills. It's the bank robber. And the problem here is not health, and it's not public health, and it's not the suppression of information and the suppression of dissident views and the absolute unconscionable treatment of physicians around the world and academicians around the world who spoke out against this. That's not the crime. The crime is that we had criminal racketeers who consp conspired and developed a, quote, emergency the same criminal racketeers planned, manufactured, and did all agency capture to make sure that you were told that you would use terms that they tell you to use. Vaccine, face mask, health, social distancing, none of which had ordinary use definition. So we just used them. Criminal racketeers price fixed with interlocking directorates where known competitors came together and fixed prices in direct collusion in violation of both European Union standards and in violation of both the Sherman and the Clayton Act in the United States. These were crimes. It was organized crime, and we should treat it as such. Criminal racketeers publicly lied under oath, and this resulted in the death and destruction of liberty, and most importantly, the death and destruction of the integrity of well-meaning people who sit here today doing everything they can within their power to try to treat the calamities created by this catastrophe. 
I will not for a moment denigrate the multiple contributions of amazing academic and medical professionals who've tried desperately to step into the gap and stop the corrupt outcomes of these crimes. But I will, without doubt, say the following. Until we treat this as a criminal conspiracy of criminal racketeers resulting in global terrorism for the purpose of profiteering and murder, until we have that conversation, we're having the wrong conversation. Because we are not here to debate the merits of a modified agreement for a criminal racketeering organization. We are here to end the criminal organization itself. This is my call to every single person on this planet. Don't just limit the power of the who. Destroy the who. Thank you very much. Pretty compelling. I mean, I'm sure you guys were probably laughed. There was probably 45 times I wanted to stop that video. <laughs> probably more than that. There are so many things that I could have included, but quite honestly whether that would have added to it or taken away from it is debatable, right? I think the way he lays that out is one of the most compelling things I've seen in this conversation. I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not saying that necessarily means that's exactly what happened, but damn, if that's not very compelling. And if I had to right now stand back and look and just around that focus of the WHO and pick what, I mean, guys, I just, I don't know how we don't recognize that that is, the larger picture about the fact that these groups have been doing this, not accidentally making mistakes over the years, but deliberately doing this kind of stuff to a population around the world, in fact, but the United States in particular for how, I mean, it's, it's very real and it's very obvious. And we need to stand back and think about the FDA and the EPA and all the rest of these people we've talked about East Palestine. I mean, look at what we're seeing. That's why these company, these groups are captured. There's something bigger going on. That's really dark. It doesn't mean there's not good people out there. We know that's the case. There are a lot of good people fighting for the right things. We just have to make sure we are objective and continue to push back when we have the evidence in front of us. It's paramount, guys. So thanks again for, to uh, Restutor Orbis for sharing this. That's where I saw it first. Now, a couple of points I want to finish with here and a couple of clips that we're going to show just to add to that larger point in regard to whether, you know, it, it was specifically about Wuhan and the idea of like a bioweapon because that goes so much broad, more broad in regard to WHO in general, what they've done for a you know, century, right? I mean, where we're actually at today and what it all the implications with that. But just as it pertains to COVID-19, let's not forget, as Dr. Ba Kevin Bass is pointing out, Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins, two of the most powerful people at the NIH, repeatedly lied about what we now can prove about what? <laughs> Everything? Yes. But in, in particular, the fact that they did gain a function research. I mean, what else do we need to see that we know that they lie? Why would they lie about that? Because there's a lot bigger thing going on than most people realize. The NIH and NIAID did not fund gain of function research to be conducted at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Most of what he just showed you proved that's not true. I've given you probably 15 shows that verify that's not true. They just lie. Do we know whether the Wuhan Institute of Virology does gain-of-function research? They were not approved by NIH uh, for doing gain-of-function research.
for those in the podcast, the Peter Daszak email on the screen that we've all seen, where it literally talks about happy that here that our gain of function research funding pause has been lifted. And even what, what Martin was just talking about, the moratorium and the conference, that's what this is talking about. They lied. They've been doing this lo- a lot longer than we realize. The NIH and NIAID did not fund gain-of-function research to be conducted at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Do we know whether the Wuhan... Same clip. The point is, they are they lied. They, we know that they know that they lied. Now, we also have, by the way, after all of this, Robert Cadleck speaking up and saying vaccine research was the proximate cause of what happened. So there's really no way that they are, they've trapped themselves. Vaccine research is just that what I, they're hoping is that we just pretend that's something we need to do better next time. Instead of gain of function and bioweapons, well, we just got the vaccine research wrong. That's what I think they're hoping. Either way, that's admitting that their work was the, the cause of this. And that's because it's gain of function research. It's not hard to understand. Now, here is uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Mackis, I believe it was William Mackis, MD, speaking about. One of the other discussions that makes this very clear, the foreknowledge, the idea that they we've already seen this in regards to, to cardiac issues where they're now making drugs to deal with the heart problems like that's benefiting from the problem they're creating. But this is about getting ready to do so, acquiring drugs that treat blood clots before they put out a drug that massively increases the idea of the blood or of the issue of blood clots. Us all taking these vaccines as long as our body can take it as we get sicker and sicker and sicker. And there's a second component that is even more sinister to this subscription model, this big pharma subscription model. And that is, is that they will then sell you the drugs that you need to live to treat the injuries that they inflicted on you in the first place. That is why Pfizer's been acquiring blood clotting companies that produce blood clot medications. In fact, before they rolled out, you you couldn't make this up, before they rolled out COVID-19 vaccines in kids 5 to 11 years old, I forget if it was Pfizer or Moderna, I was one of them, they acquired drugs to treat blood clots in children. I know that Moderna in particular went in that direction. After in particular, like just generally like heart issues, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of them did the same thing. Just before they rolled out the vaccines in kids that are going to cause blood clots in kids. Pfizer just did a huge, I think it was like a $40 billion acquisition to novel ways to treat cancer. Yes, cancers that they will be causing. Exactly. This is the second component of the model. That's the lymphocytopenia. The dysregulation of your immune system causes the cancers to explode, among many other things. In a sense, both ways I meant that, actually. Among many other things to explode, but also among many other things that cause the cancers to explode in regard to the COVID vaccine. I want to kill all of us. There's there's no money in that, right? Well, I, I wouldn't agree. I mean, who knows? I'm always back and forth on the idea of what they, you know, I think it differs on different people's agendas. There's definitely seems to be something directed at reducing populations. I find it hard to see that. But at the same time, whether that's the larger agenda, whether it's a byproduct, I don't know. I do agree with the sentiment, though. What, what, how does it serve the, the profiteers to get rid of their people that would buy these things? You know, I don't know. It's for, up for you to decide. I do believe that they want us sick. That's true. They want us sick. They want us dependent, and they want us dependent on their medications, their drugs, 
And this is the model that we're being pushed towards. Mm -hmm. Now, on the point of, in general, the Wuhan idea or where this came from, I wanted to include, you might have seen, that there's now a whistleblower alleging that the CIA offered official, officials money, bribed them to change their view on where COVID started. Chief Nerd points out the whistleblower told Congress that the CIA assigned seven officers to a COVID discovery team, the CIA, because that makes sense, right? Which consisted of multidisciplinary and experienced officers with significant scientific experience, expertise, excuse me. According to the whistleblower, at the end of its review, six of the seven members of the team believed the intelligence and science were sufficient to make a low confidence assessment that it actually originated in the lab at Wuhan. The whistleblower further contends that 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 to come to the eventual public determination of uncertainty, the other six members were given a significant monetary incentive to simply change their position. So who knows? The whistleblower, they could be lying. But the point is, we have a lot of evidence that backs up the same sentiment. And this is from the testimony on the uh, oversight House government website, just so you know that it is real. It says the same thing right there. It's exactly what he wrote out. Significant monetary incentive to change their position. It's pretty wild. Brett Weinstein adds to this saying, we mustn't forget, not only did they lie about the origin of the virus, they also sought to destroy the reputation of anyone who followed the evidence to its logical conclusion. It's the same willingness to gaslight shown toward the vaccine injured. Now, whatever your opinion on the truth there of where it came from, whether it exists, the point to take from it is that they attacked people that challenged the narrative. And now, even though they've now shifted to say that is the narrative, like that's how dumb this gets, even if both sides are false. The point is recognize that they will dis they will annihilate anybody that challenges what they say, even if they're going to 30 seconds later admit that that was the truth. That's how broken all this is. And then half the people don't even realize they're doing it. That's no way. To, that's not to accuse to remove accountability. It's simply to show you how blind they are. Now, another point that you might have seen going back to Sam Husseini, who is still knocking him out of the park. I, I'm going to try to connect with him again soon. He's at the U.S. State Department. And he was joking after this that he's probably not going to be, maybe he won't be invited back. We'll see. Where he calls them out on the Wuhan funding. You're not going to be surprised with the way this automaton responds or doesn't. He went from USAID to this, to the work at Wuhan and to their collaborator, Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina uh. to create, to collect and make coronaviruses that are weaponized that um, are more deadly so i first of all reject the implicit accusation in that question and i do not have at my finger i i i, I do not i do not have at my fingertips the particular details of yeah, usaid are you saying question. for certain are you saying for certain go, that go, no usaid go, money go, went to the uh, wuhan I, institute I, of virology the question. Go ahead. no please tell me do you, you know do I, you, I, I, are you I, stating I, that no yeah, usaid i will say i i am happy to take questions from those in this audience I'm happy to answer them. I appreciate that they treat uh, every person in this room, including myself, respectfully. I call on you. Oh, yeah, because it's all about respect, right? Because clearly the U.S. government respects your rights and your privacy, and right? It's all about respect. God, God forbid he should ask for an answer on a basic question, and now he's being disrespectful by simply acknowledging that they're refusing to... Like, this is the game they play. This is like Kareen going, oh, you're going to ruin it. Oh, you did it. You asked the question, and now we're going to leave it alone. Or the guy in Hawaii saying it only takes one. What, asking where the children are? Yeah, God forbid we should ask questions as journalists. Like, they're acting like you're somehow this petulant child, and they're the adults. And now, we, well, of course, you have to step in and ruin it with real questions. That we're seeing this everywhere, right? It's just, it's pretty pathetic. 
appreciate that they treat uh, every person in this room, including myself, respectfully. I called on you. I'm now calling on someone else. Go ahead. Me respectfully, please tell me. What are you denying? Go ahead. What please. is your denial? Go, go. It's a non-denial denial. I love it. Good job, Sam. Right? Because he's right. What he's doing is basically not denying anything by essentially, though, denying it. I re refuse your app. Your app. What's not? A, it's not an accusation. I mean, what he's ultimately talking about is peer-reviewed science and patents that we know are there. And the fact that they've even admitted that they were doing this stuff. And yet they're still pretending like this. This is embarrassingly sloppy and obvious. And that doesn't have to mean that that is exactly the narrative. But it just means that we know something is going on. And we know and can prove that they were doing the very thing they pretended was illegal. And guess what? That's exactly what they do damn near everywhere you look if you have the eyes to see it. It's right there in front of you. Now, we'll end today with a couple of overlaps with the idea of the bioweapon conversation. Let's not forget the weird flow of conversation around RFK statements of very provable things, which seem to indicate, obviously, that was a very sensitive topic. They wanted to whisk away as conspiracy theory as fast as possible, that they're very obviously are working on ethnic targeted bioweapons, and that's not up for debate. And it, we can very clearly prove, and it's in this actual article, the peer-reviewed study that verbatim found that specifically Ashkenazi Jews and uh, it was Amish people did not carry the specific ACE2 gene that allowed them to be extra susceptible. Or the point being they were less susceptible than anybody to the reason this disease made people sick, according to the, what they say is happening. It's not, it's not for debate. He did not imply that was designed that way, just simply that's the reality. And then also, there are bioweapons they're working on. All of it's true, but the way they responded to it was very, very telling. So make sure you check this out to understand how obvious this stuff is. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I did something wrong here. I forget. Well, I'm not going to try to find it now. There was another article I had open. I guess that's the same one. Oh, well. Just go on our website and just search bioweapons as attack. And we have a lot. We were talking about this right in the beginning and long before this. It's not something we should be dismissing. And again, it doesn't have to mean what you think is not. The, the point is, who knows what they're working on? We know they're capable, at least according to what we can prove technologically, and what they say they're making to 2011 and before virusized transistors or the fact that we know and can prove based on what they're making and the technological advancements that they do smart dust and any number of other variants, the mu chip, these things are the size. What was it last time? I think it was the eighth, eighth the size or the 10th of the size of a piece of paper. You can't see it. It's, it's dust. Lands on your skin. It runs on your body's own motion. This was an open symposium about nanotechnology in 2000. What was it? I forget the date on that one. 2011. And they were saying 10 years ago. I have, I have to look it up again. But the point was in the early 2000s, this stuff was already available. And now they're holding up gigantic microchips and saying, look at this new thing. We're being played, guys. This stuff is very real. And when they come out and say that, remember that joking video about 5G where he goes, they can't, they can't control work. Microchips can't work without a power source. Yes, they can. It's very obvious and real that they can have microchips or different nanotech or smart dust that literally uses your body's motion or your body's own heat to operate. It's, it's actually pretty, it's been around for a long time. So think about these things when we realize where this is all going. And the obvious point about where I just discussed, and this is on August 28th, that they've discussed this so many different times with this clip that I all I play all the time to open the show because it was something they were discussing before the COVID agenda ever came into play. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories.
Forbes and Pfizer discussing how they want to turn your body into drug factories. How do they do that? Well, they give you a gene therapy shot that makes your cells produce the substance. Well, that's the beginnings of what they're already doing, making your cells produce the spike protein, which then they claim gives you antibodies. And we know that's not working and it's actually hurting a lot of people. Maybe that was the design. The bottom line is they're already talking about this and realize that if they're talking about this, that always, this has always been dual use technology. It's right in the documentation. I go through it in depth on the show that they openly discuss that, well, this could be used to turn your body into making drugs or something else which could be deadly to you. Or when we talk about the idea of the shedding concept, that it could be used to turn you into a weapon, a bioweapon, in fact. this I'm, Plenty of people are going to shake their heads in disapprovement or, oh, this isn't even real because they don't want to hear this. But if you care to actually look at the show, watch the show itself, or actually look at the end, endless amount of source material that includes all the things we say that come directly from peer-reviewed science and the government's own research from DARPA and anywhere else, this is a real concept. And we're not talking 50, 100 years from now. We're talking about right now. They're already doing this. The question is whether you think that that's what's currently happening or something coming up next. It's not up for debate. It's already documented. They want to experiment with this stuff. And if they're already telling you that if, hey, we can do a self-spreading vaccine, right? Something that can spread between people. No No informed consent necessary. Well, why wouldn't we do that? Isn't that the same thing? Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Yep, and you've seen this. It goes on to talk about how they're already doing this in regard to agriculture and different things that they're already working on. They're already going through the regulatory process. That's 2020, mind you, in Europe. They're already talking about this in 2020. So going through the regulatory process, but it's not it's not in sort of 50 years, right? No, that's now. That means already done and probably already in use. And the reality of all of this is that if they can do that, if they can turn your body into something that then puts off things that can vaccinate other people, well, guess what? They can also do that, which can hurt other people. That is what we're talking about. So if we understand that David Martin lays this out as a long-term, long-sought agenda, potentially now we're to the point to where our sovereignty, whether it was ever clearly there, has been overtaken by global entities, we need to be very aware of where this can go. And I'll leave it there for today. I had a couple of things I was going to add, but I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. So thank you for tuning in today, guys. We're going to, as always, keep knocking this out continue to do the best we can to bring you the information that we think is the most important. If you want to support this platform, there's lots of ways to do it. But the most important, I would say, is you can go to the website right now and go to our donation portal and donate $1 a month. Sign up for $1 a month and that's all you ever need to do. And we will make the world change with it or do our best to try because we believe in you guys like you believe in us. Thank you for being here, guys feeling very, very positive and motivated about where we are right now and what we're doing and the growth we're seeing. But it's going to change. I promise you. As soon as I even I, I even think I already, started, already saw a pop-up that I closed and opened and nothing happened, but I already saw a Twitter thing going, oh, look at your changes of service, terms of service. If they ask me to just do something and give me a, an ultimatum, I'm not going to do it and I'm going to no longer be on Twitter and we'll see what happens then. Probably going to lose a whole bunch of momentum and have to start all over like we have 14 times already through this process. But we will, because that's what we're here for. Thank you for being here, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. 
when the central bankers of the G7 nations went into the room in Jackson Hole in August 2019 and they voted on the going direct reset, everything that's happening to us right now is part of the going direct reset and they voted on it. It was a plan. Okay? So they wrote a plan. They decided to do this. So they've been, they've been engaged in the financial coup for 20 years. We're now coming into the end game. They have to consolidate the financial coup and they vote on the going direct reset. And without one decision, they made a decision over the next year to put 500 million people out of work. That's the equivalent of dropping several nuclear bombs around the world. That's financial warfare. And they made it intentionally, they made it knowingly, and it was a plan. And what is very important to understand when you think about this pandemic is people are not dying from magic viruses. People are dying from tyranny. They're dying from a great poisoning that's part of that tyranny. But our problem and the thing we need to be afraid of is tyranny because the tyranny is about to get much, much worse. And and it's the passports and, and that system of central bank digital control that will give them the ability to do that.